and was only suitable for people aged 18 or over will almost certainly have an adult theme and might well contain sex or violence which are quite graphic. It may also contain explicit language, including sexual swear words. Thanks for listening. Uh, but here's what his revelation comes to him. He's kind of got all this stuff, like, uh, touching, wiping, mourning of the animals. Not wiping, whipping. whipping. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, not torture. Touch, also not touching. I am, I am dyslexic. I, I hope I'm not having like, a stroke. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And an atheist almost always becomes supporters of eugenics and abortion. A swine is hungry for nuts. Jesus hates him too. Satan is real. Being a Satanist is an open declaration of revolt against counterproductive received wisdom and mindless rogue traditions. Decapitate her head off. We're done. Done. We're done. Obama! Welcome to the Godless Revolution. I am Dan. And I'm Ryan. Uh, <laughs> uh, today is Tuesday, December 22nd, 2015. We'll be covering the Democratic debate that happened on Saturday. Uh, we didn't get together on Saturday because we have other shit going on, man. Yeah. It's the holidays. And I was at work. Ryan was at work. I was uh, busy getting stuff ready to make some changes here in the studio. Which look awesome. Mm-hmm, and sound good. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I almost maybe died on Sunday <laughs> while I was doing it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, when it says on the can using well ventilated area, they they mean it. So I got some I got some uh, sound dampening tiles to hang in the studio here, and did one wall, but I used this spray adhesive stuff that, from all the warnings on it, I should have been dead like half hour into using it because <laughs> it's it's got all of the california it's got all of the california warnings about you know this product has been or chemicals in this product have been shown to sh- to cause cancer and using a well ventilated area highly flammable vapors are dangerous mm-hmm. volatile o- volatile organic compounds yeah. may lead to slight oily discharge yeah anal leakage <laughs> big eyeball <laughs> milk leg <laughs> burnt lung yeah 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 all, all kinds of crazy shit so but i did that on sunday uh while the packers were beating the raiders yeah i uh, watched it so. yeah i i didn't watch any of it I, I i was checking my phone to look at the score every now and then and going yeah that seems about right <laughs> i didn't expect them to win anyway that's fine uh so but i did one wall and I got all of the, well, not quite all of it, but almost all of the corners and seams with the base traps. Yep. The three-inch stuff going around. Uh, got on the wall behind Matt and myself, uh, one-inch sound dampening tiles. I've ordered two-inch stuff to go on the other three walls. And I'm thinking maybe doing the ceiling. I don't know. We'll have to see. Cause, <laughs> you may not need it. Well, not, I mean, as far as as far as sound in here, not necessarily, but you know, the roof above us is also the floor of the patio or deck uh-huh. that runs okay. the whole length of the house. Yeah. And so, like even the tiny fucking dog that weighs eight pounds, when she trots across it, we can hear. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know if I don't know if the mics pick it up, but when she's out there trotting yeah. around, you can you can kind of hear it on the ceiling anyway. Hmm. So that might dampen that, but. Yeah, it was fun. 
<laughs> I had fun doing it. I think the closet looks really cool. Oh, like it I, does. I'm happy there's like no seam at all in the I know, closet. It's pretty doors. sweet. Yeah. We'll have to put some photos up when it's all done to show you the new yeah. Bad Acid Studio of the Guys Revolution. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm excited about it. Uh, so tonight we'll be covering the, what is this, the third Democratic debate. Third yeah. and last of the year. Last of the year compared to, we just did the fifth yeah. Republican debate. Right. And that's just the that's just the main event Republican shit. Yeah, and those and those are prime time events. This was yeah, this was on Saturday a Saturday night. when nobody's really watching college football. Bowl games were all going on. Right, go Utes! And BYU was getting crushed. <laughs> <laughs> that made me so happy. Um, so yeah, Utah beat BYU in the Holy War, which is awesome. Um, but this apparently this debate had the lowest viewership of any of the. 2016 primary yeah. race debates thus far. So, mm-hmm. and it's because it was on a Saturday, Saturday. during prime time yeah. when people are watching other shit. So, or out doing stuff because it's Saturday. Because it's Saturday, yeah. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't during the week when everybody's like, oh yeah, and and probably because the Democrats aren't quite as entertaining as the shit show that yeah, is the that, Republican yeah, Party this time too. around. You know, I yeah. mean, you don't have to look forward to. Hearing the Donald or like, the Cruz or the Carson or the Rubio or the well, that's the other thing too. <laughs> any right? of the clowns making fucking ridiculous statements. I mean, the Democrats pretty much know if you're in the Bernie camp or you're in the Clinton camp. I mean, there's there's you know four or five people that think O'Malley's going to win, but yeah, he's got you pretty much. Percent, you, I think you, you pretty much know already. But with the Republicans, yeah. you know. Carson and Rubio and Cruz are all jockeying for position constantly. It's a, it's a, I mean, Rubio's kind of a little ways back, but, you know, Cruz and Carson are always moving around. And, you know, so I think there's a lot more to watch for. Yeah. Well, I think that the way, the reason why the viewership is down because they all just want to wait till we put our show out so they can listen to us do it. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard from several people who's, who have said that. Yeah. That they, no, I didn't watch yeah. the debate. I'm waiting for Matt, Dan, and Ryan to, to do, do the show yeah. about it because. Then it's like sitting down and watching it with some friends. So. <laughs> I appreciate those comments. I think that's awesome. Oh, yeah, I'm glad sure. the people are enjoying it because, I mean, I like covering it, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're an atheist podcast. So yeah. I don't, well, I don't want it to turn into a strictly political podcast. But, I, I mean, I think we're, we're both. We've been yeah. both from the beginning. Yeah. But, but this is an important election. Like every election is an important election. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it, and it still is, it still is God related because, Look at the front runners. I mean, yeah. I mean, outside of Trump, maybe, but you know, Cruz and and Rubio and Carson, they're yeah. they're all god freaks. Well, this election is so far out of the norm. I mean, just in terms of is, the number of people running for one party's primary primary spot, you know, it's it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, and how and, polarized? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how polarized we are now. How how ridiculous the things are that are coming out of the Republican camp and, and just the sheer number of candidates. Luckily we saw, uh, Lindsey Graham drop out yep. since, since this democratic debate, I think he dropped out two days ago on yes. Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I think he dropped out on Sunday. Hey, no working on Sunday, yeah, but he was, <laughs> Graham, he, fuck. he was like, he had to tell everybody God talked to me today. <laughs> no more election. <laughs> so he's gone. Uh, I expect Huckabee will be next. Possibly Santorum. Yeah, uh, I think I think Fiorina will stay in there as long as she possibly yeah. can, mm-hmm. and you know, hoping to be the alternative the alternative to 
the uber crazy, but she's still like on a crazy scale where Trump is at a 10, Fiorina's yeah. like an eight and a half. Yeah, maybe. So I don't, I, you know, I don't see her as the alternative crazy candidate. No, but I think I think the GOP likes having Carson and Fiorina so they can it's prove they're not racist. And oh. We're diverse. Yeah, we're exa- diverse. Exactly. We value a wide range of opinions. Yeah, I right. think Carson's have, in it for the long haul too, though. <laughs> we have a black guy and yeah. a, a female. Wh- yeah, <laughs> right. Who all share the same views as the rest of our white men. Yeah, yeah. She's fucking. I think she's worse than a lot of them because she not only she not only is is crazy and 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 toes and touts the Republican line as far as the majority, but she's a minority in that group and still acts like one of the guys. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no calling Trump out for being a sexist dick. And it's the same thing with Carson, not calling Trump out for being a racist dick. Yeah. You know, it's they're They're in there to be part of the Republican. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, But yeah, and they're they're just all spouting the same crazy but shit. Then again, Ben Carson did say he would bomb kids. He'd bomb everybody. Yeah. Bomb, 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 bomb. Pretty he's much. like, he's <laughs> it's like, like it's like pulling that brain tumor. You just gotta do it quick. You don't want to be slow about it. You just gotta do it quick. Get in there and do it quick. <laughs> he's just get in there with the grain silos and the the alien technologies. That was a, that was a Beach Boys song, wasn't it? And then then you pull it out, and it's. It's not like a condom because you pull it out. <laughs> he doesn't know what a there's, condom is. There's no, there's no liquid discharge. Oh. If you get in there, there's no suction needed. <laughs> yeah. oh. Nothing. There was. <laughs> I know you sound kind of like the 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 brother in Napoleon Dynamite there though. But my lips hurt really bad. Mm. Not Napoleon, his brother. Oh, uh, he's like, I'm gonna, yeah, Kip, Kip, I got a, I got a hot date tonight. (laughs) La Fonda. Fonda. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Been on the computer all day. You're just jealous, Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and real quick before we get into this, I wanted to mention, uh, Sarah Moorhead's recent troubles. Uh, I don't know if anybody else out there in, in podcast Landia or Facebook Landia or the interwebs that may be listening to this has heard much about what uh, Sarah and her family are having to go through, or even if you know who Sarah is, if you don't know who Sarah, if you don't know who Sarah Moorhead is, you definitely owe it to yourself to become acquainted with who she is and what she does because she's, she's fucking phenomenal. I yeah. love Sarah. She's, she has done so much for the secular community and for the atheist community that, I mean, if at, at this point, if you don't know who she is, you really should go and check out, who she is, what she's been doing. Um, I mean, she, she has been volunteering so much of her time and has poured so much of her life and heart and for lack of a better word, soul into what she's doing and what she believes in, in trying to help other people that I was, I I was really heartbroken to hear about some of the things that have been happening, uh, to her family lately. Um, she sent me, a uh, private message on Facebook and asked that I that I share a link to a to a website on generosity which is now part of Indiegogo uh to help ra- to help raise funds for people in need and you know I, I when I saw this message from Sarah my initial thought was oh I wonder who Sarah's trying to help this time yeah you know who who is Sarah selflessly trying to help out this time in in requesting some assistance from me and i see in a message from her that you know 
after I click on the link, I see that it's to help support her. And I, at first I was like really confused. Like how can Sarah need help? Obviously she's awesome and is doing so many things. How could she possibly be in need of assistance for anything? Cause she's a fucking superstar. She's yeah. wonder woman. She's a, yeah. you know, she's, she's a fucking superhero. Why would a super need, why would a superhero need help with anything? Sure. So I go out and I click on the link. I see it's a generosity thing. It's got pictures of her wonderful children on the cover for it. And I start reading through it and I was just crushed. Uh, I'm going to just read from the post here on generosity. Says many of you know our dear friend Sarah Moorhead and her adorable children. Through her endless hours of unpaid volunteer activism and advocacy over the past five years, what you may, what you probably don't know is that at the beginning of November, one of her children disclosed they were being abused by a trusted caregiver. Facing every parent's worst nightmare, Sarah took action by immediately involving and cooperating with authorities. As the situation escalated, she was forced to protect herself and her children by fleeing their home and going into hiding. The police investigated and charged the father of her young child with five felonies of first and third degree sexual assault of a child. He is in jail awaiting trial and they were finally allowed to return to the family home, but are now without any support or income. You know, Sarah has been doing all kinds of incredible things from running the recovering from religion website and group to starting the, the recovering from the the hotline religion hotline, uh, helping, helping organize the upcoming, the reason rally reason rally. Thank you very much. I I feel a little bad because I had a a really large, (laughs) really large, heavily weighted, very alcoholic beer before we started tonight. I I basically drank a bottle of wine before we started recording, but that's neither here nor there. Um, (laughs) But I mean, Sarah has done so much yeah. for the secular community, and even even those who are still in religion and are having problems uh, with 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 some of the things that their religion is teaching. You know, with the recovering from religion hotline, and I mean, she's just she's amazing. I I I when when whenever somebody asks me, you know, who who is a person I should look up to in the secular movement as doing the most good for the community, not just for the secular community, but those who may still be religious in some sense, but are struggling with their religion and, and in helping them transition out or even providing a source of support for them, for those who have doubts. Right. And Sarah is the very first person that I think of. She's the, she's the, she's the person that I point to as being the perfect example of what you should do as as an incredible humanist, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of your beliefs, religious or otherwise, she's just a fantastic human being and humanist. She does what she can to help other people who yeah. need her help. Um, so yeah, when I saw this, I was just, I was dumbstruck. Yeah. It's shocking. Um, so the, the post on, uh, generosity.com continues and says, Sarah and her children desperately need our help. She has voluntarily helped thousands, literally thousands, I would yeah. say tens of thousands of yeah. people uh, over the years and is frequently a first responder, rolling up her sleeves and mobilizing support when someone is facing a crisis. Friends, it's our turn to be there for her. These funds will be used to keep her and her children from losing their home and their transportation. Each of the kids have weekly trauma recover therapy appointments across town. 
provide warm clothing, firewood for their wood stove, and other basic living expenses as they adjust to the stark reality of this heartbreaking situation. This fundraiser will allow her the time necessary to find and secure income that supports herself, her children, as they begin to heal and move forward together. She doesn't talk about it much, but Sarah's life hasn't been easy. She tragically lost her mother to cancer and as a result spent her childhood growing up in foster care. Many of us have heard her courageous story of surviving an abusive fundamentalist marriage and her research and presentations on recovering from the damage caused by religions are shared and applauded worldwide. She is well known for finding the silver lining of every situation no matter how difficult. To see what we mean, check out this article featured in Raw Story, and it's got a link for it, where she shared what it means to be an atheist at Thanksgiving. Her portion is about halfway down the page. Uh, No one knew she wrote while in hiding with her children, facing incredible uncertainty about, about their future only days before this year's Thanksgiving holiday. And after I read this too, you know, I went out and looked at her timeline Mm -hmm. and read the story on raw story and everything. And it's it's true. I mean, you, from the things that she was posting and saying, there were, there were a couple of things that she had posted on Facebook and had tweeted that, you know, I I follow Sarah because she's fucking awesome. Yeah. And I had noticed that she had tweeted a couple of things related to, uh, sexual abuse and molestation and, you know, being a survivor and what you can do to help those in need and everything. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of weird. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I'll, I'll pick up on that here in a second. Um, yet in the midst of total upheaval, her words were calm, resolute, and focused on embracing children where, wherever (laughs) calm, resolute, and focused on embracing whatever positive she could find for herself and her children. Where many people give up, she embraces a sincerely warm outlook, and we are proud to be considered her friends. Sarah has dedicated her life to helping others. She's not just a devoted secular advocate, and she's not just a veteran women's rights activist and clinic defender. She also spent years as a therapeutic foster parent for kids with extensive mental health challenges. She's an adoptive parent with special needs children. She's a writer at Patheos, and she is known and loved for being a selfless humanitarian. She gives tirelessly of herself to help others at a moment's notice, and so many of us credit her for helping our recovery from abusive religious environments over the years. She's rescued refugees needing needing flee their homeland, needing to flee their homeland when their lives were in danger, and she's donated thousands of hours of her time and talent throughout the years to helping others. For those of us who have needed her, she's put her hands to the work given us her ear to listen, her shoulder to cry on, and she selflessly shared the weight of our problems when we needed her the most, all without asking for anything in return. This is true. She, has, she's, yeah. she hasn't yeah. been paid anything for all of the work that mm-hmm. she's done over, over the years. Uh, please consider a gift of $5 or $10 or whatever you can spare this holiday season to help Sarah and her children during this incredibly difficult time in their lives. If you have ever been touched by her kindness or inspired by her words, please share this fundraiser and encourage others to do the same. Thank you for your help and support. So I shared this on my timeline and on the Godless Revolution page and in the Atheist of Utah group. And I made a donation and, and let her know that, you know, I would also be mentioning it during our show tonight because she's, she's incredible. She's awesome. I can't. Mm -hmm. I, I can't think of a better example of what it means to be a humanist than Sarah Moorhead. She's mm-hmm. she's incredible. I I love her to death. Um, 
So I will be sure to post a link to this this page in the show notes. And if you would, I would really appreciate it if you could go out and donate whatever you can to help her out. Um, the initial goal was $10,000, and they met that within, I think, seven or eight hours of wow. having this up and available. But the $10,000, in my estimation, is is asking way too little. I yes. Mean, yeah, of course. She, she doesn't have she doesn't have a job. She has no means of of income or support right now. This is this is going to help her and her children maintain their home, buy them groceries, give her gas to take them to therapy, to yeah. help pay for therapy sessions, while she tries to find something else in between trying to help her children do all of this. I yeah. know that yep. I know that because of this, she's had to take a back seat from the uh, recovering from religion uh, group, uh, Doctor. Dr. Ray has, has taken that over again mm. in the interim while she's trying to get help for her children. Yeah. Um, so it just, this, this just, this crushed me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really sad. Not many people know. And I, I don't think I've ever, I've, I don't think I've ever mentioned it on the show. I don't think I, I don't think you guys even know, but I was molested when, when I was very young, you know, some of my, earliest memories are of being molested by a family friend. Yeah. And that's something that fucks you up for life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not something that you just move past yeah. or forget or whatever. It would be great if I could just forget it. You know, I my, my own, my own parents had no idea that oh, any of this shit. had happened until mm-hmm. I was in my thirties and was divorcing my ex-wife <laughs> And, you know, it, through through the divorce proceedings and custody evaluations and all of that kind of shit and, and the mental health evaluations and you fill out all of your history and they ask you all kinds of personal questions. And, you know, I, I, I did all went, – went through all of that, did all of that, gave a copy to my mother and she contacted me one day and she's just crying like, <laughs> oh, my God, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You, you've gone – 30 plus years without even talking about without it. ever mentioning this to anybody and I'm like well you know when you're that young there's you like, you when you're that young you don't know necessarily no, yeah. that, seems, that, seems that like it's wrong the, I mean it's thing that happens it's like yeah that's I mean just what happens yeah well and and you know being that age you know three like four years old it's an adult nobody at that age had told me you know, don't let somebody touch your touch yeah, your private yeah, parts. Right, yeah, you know, I mean, I didn't hear anything about that until I was seven or eight. Yeah, you know, doubling the age I was when any of this happened, and I thought, holy shit! Well, Uh-oh. I didn't, I didn't know. You know, and then you hear it at seven or eight, and you're like, well, this happened so long ago. Like, we've moved. I don't know that yeah. person. I don't know where they are. I don't even know their. I don't. I don't even know their name. I. I. I have no idea what what this guy's name was or anything. You know, and in talking to my mom about it later. You know, she figured out who it was and, and felt just horrible that any of this had happened. And I'm like, it's not your fault. Yeah. yeah, You know, you didn't, you didn't know, you didn't, you didn't know something was going on and look the other way or whatever. You know, you had absolutely no idea what was going on. And, you know, you shouldn't feel bad about this at all. This is, this wasn't your fault. Mm -hmm. But, you know, being that young child who has absolutely no idea what's going on, but then, you know, later in life, I mean, it's, it's, it's made several things in my life difficult. You know, I, for a very long time, there were, there were certain things about my sexual life and identity that I had a really hard time with and, and that I struggled with for quite a while. And I still do a little bit here and there, but you know, I, I never got therapy for it necessarily. I've, I've 
I've seen a therapist in going through counseling with my ex-wife and everything, but you know, nothing ever specifically centered on this in particular. Yeah. And, and at this point in my life, I think I've pretty much moved past it and it's not that big a deal anymore, but I mean, it, it fucks you up. And I mean, we're talking, you know, almost 40 years after the yeah. fact and yep. it's still one of my earliest memories. It's, it's one mm-hmm. of, it's one of my early developmental memories is being molested by somebody. Yeah. Instead of playing in a sandbox and having fun with friends. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's yeah. kind of fucked up. <laughs> so, yeah. so when I read this about Sarah and her family, I just, I mean, it, it really struck a chord with me and I felt so terrible. Yeah. And, you know, knew that I, I, I needed to try to help out and, and do whatever I could to try to help her out. So, mm-hmm. If you're a listener of the show, I would greatly appreciate it if you would go out and uh, help Sarah and her family um, and, and help her kids get, get past this. Because it's, it's a really awful thing to have happen to anybody, let alone sure is. a super young, impressionable child who has yeah. no idea what's going on to them. So Now we start yeah. off on that fantastic happy note. Yeah, they were all happy. We all, you want a lot of debating? <laughs> I didn't. I, sh, I may, maybe I should have mentioned that to you guys pre-show a little bit. That you know, like, I was gonna, wow, it's gonna, it's gonna go drop like, a little bit of bomb, but it's gonna get sad right. real quick. <laughs> well, okay. like like I said, I, I there are very very few people who know any of that about me, and so not anymore. Yeah, now <laughs> now everybody will know, and I mean it. It's something that you know I've I've kind of been an advocate behind the scenes for those who have been molested or have suffered mm-hmm. abuse. But, um, I've, I don't know. I've kind of shied away from it being part of Your identity. my identity or who I am because it's, it's not really me. You yeah. Know, I, I can identify with the victims because I am one, but I try to not make it part of my identity as a person because it happened so long ago. Um, and and you know for the most part i've moved on and it doesn't yeah really affect who well, i am today other than knowing you know at least in some small part what these kids are facing and mm-hmm. what they've gone through and, yeah it's not the distant past for for sarah's kids right, right now right so anyway please go out give what you can uh they have more than met their goal but as i said the $10,000 is nowhere near what i would consider adequate no or what will help sustain her and her family until she can find something yeah. permanent to to fill the gap yeah from you know what is left in the wake of this person basically destroying their family so please go out give what you can and i would greatly appreciate it link will be in the description yes yeah it'll be in the show notes for the show uh shall we move on to the debate we should we should we should do some debating. <laughs> so I think I already mentioned that Lindsey Graham has dropped out. Yep. And then I think Huckabee and Santorum will probably be next. I think Fiorina should be gone, but she's gonna hang on as long as she possibly can. Um and of course Martin O'Malley will be in this debate. Yeah. But But he's not in it. He's yeah. His his chances of, of winning anything anywhere are slim to none. I mean with the way Hillary's kind of railroading the whole thing, I mean, surprised people even know his name. Yeah. Well, she's she's the candidate that everybody figures is. I mean, she's the de facto. Yeah. She's the de facto winner. They didn't expect this. a Bernie to come up though. Yeah. 
Y'all didn't know about Bernie. And they're trying to shut down the burn. Y'all ain't heard about Bernie. Um, I really like Bernie Sanders. I also, I also like Clinton. I mean, they're, they're, I, I think she is definitely head and shoulders above any of the yeah. fucking Republican candidates running. I just like Bernie more. I do too. I think he's more genuine. He's, he's much more progressive. Yeah. He aligns much more with what I personally believe, uh, this nation can be to reach its, its full potential. Um, I think she's, I think she's a little more cynical. I think probably part of that comes from being raised and, and steeped in, in politics yeah. for so long, um, that she's just part of the institution now. But I mean, Bernie's been in politics better part of what, 40, 50 years? Yeah. Well, and, but he's always been an outsider too. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's never been part of the mainstream necessarily. You know, he's, he's always been the radical. Yeah. The, the, right. the radical good guy who thinks things should be better. That's crazy, right? Um, like you're not going to give the money to my buddies who own that corporation? <laughs> well, no. Why well, would you I do that? You. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this debate. Um, you know, in the previous two Democratic debates, we, we agreed with most everything that was said. I think, I think the thing that has bothered me in the, the most about the prior debates was when Clinton would re- would reduce it to identity or gender yeah. politics. And I can't imagine that that would have changed much in this debate coming up. So we shall have to see. But I think I've got this queued up to where we wanted to start here. Let's see. Mr. New Hampshire. Here again is George Stephanopoulos. It is time George! for the debate to start. Let's go center stage with my colleagues David Muir and Martha Raddatz. Thank you, George. Martha and I are honored to be here in New Hampshire. The candidates are all here, and we welcome you at home and this audience of more than a 1,000 New Hampshire voters, and we are ready to begin. Promising to carpet bomb until the desert glows. Our goal is to put together a coalition to destroy ISIS. Doesn't make you sound strong. All of us must stand up and speak out. It makes you sound like you're in over your head. Fight for what you believe. This is a fight we have to win. The race is tight. Couldn't be closer between Hillary and Bernie right here in New Hampshire. And now, in just moments. (laughs) No mention of O'Malley at all. That poor guy. Yeah. Well, they said the race couldn't be closer. Yeah. Well, and of I course, mean, and O'Malley's not close. And of course, when she talked no. about carpet bombing, she was referring to comments made by Ted Cruz, yeah. mm-hmm. the ignorant shit uh, about just bombing, about just bombing yep. ISIS out of existence, make the sand glow. Yep. But then also trying to backtrack and say, "Oh no, don't bomb cities. Yeah. Just bomb where ISIS it's, is, and then get rid." Do of you not know that ISIS is in the fucking cities? Yeah. You stupid asshole. Yeah. They run a city. Yeah. They've taken over the city. That is yeah. where they are. Much on the line. They face each other and the country live from St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. The Democratic debate. Here again, David Muir and Martha Raddatz. And Martha Raddatz. Martha Raddatz? Over the next two hours, we're going to have a chance to take a measure of the candidate's line to be the Democratic nominee for president. It, of course, is the most important thing we do as a democracy, choosing a president, the individual who will lead us through peace and prosperity, through war and conflict. 
They have all answered many questions in the past lead us few through months, or but two. much has changed in the world <laughs> yeah. since well, they Well, some are leading us to conflict. weeks ago. <laughs> and this is the last debate of the year. In less than two months, voters in this state will go to the polls. So please welcome the candidates for the Democratic nomination for president, Secretary Hillary Clinton. Hey! <laughs> It looks like she's had another haircut. I know, and I can't help but think about Fallout. I'm like, she looks like she's wearing a rad stag scavenger <laughs> outfit. It's like brown, and look at that thing. A gunny sack. Yeah. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I'm a sack of potatoes. But I am glad that Bernie's got his hair under control. Yeah. I don't care. I liked it. <laughs> I think it was uh, uh, Doc the, Brown. The, yeah, or the Einstein. And good evening to you all. The rules for tonight are very for basic. Tonight. Agreed yeah. to by all three campaigns yeah, in a... advance. Candidates can take up to a minute and a half to respond directly to a question. For a rebuttal, for a follow-up, 45 seconds will be allowed. There are green, yellow, and red lights that each candidate will <laughs> like see a stop to sign. signal when time is running oh, out gosh. and when they're supposed to be finished with their answers. We will be Giant tackling many critical issues right here there. tonight not and the we Democrats begin with opening statements in yeah. alphabetical order True. and Secretary Clinton. Well, thank you, and I'm delighted to be here in New Hampshire for this debate. You know, the American president has to both keep our families safe and make the economy grow in a way that helps everyone, not just those at the top. That's the job. I have a strategy to combat and defeat ISIS without getting us involved in another ground war. And I have plans I to raise incomes and hair. deal with a lot of the problems that keep families up at night. <laughs> They're pretty long. I'm very yeah. clear that we have a distinct she, difference between she those of us on this stage tonight anything and all. all of our yeah. Republican counterparts. What is it? From my perspective, we have to prevent the Republicans from rolling back the progress that we've made. Well, yes. They would repeal the Affordable Care Act, not improve it. They would give more tax breaks to the super wealthy and corporations, not to the middle class. And they would, despite all their tough talk about terrorism, continue to let people who are on the no-fly list buy guns. Yes. So That's we right. have a lot of work to do in this campaign to make it clear where we stand in the Democratic Party, what we will do for our country, and I look forward to this evening's discussion of real issues that face the American people. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I think most of her debate is going after the Republicans instead of... That's what they should be doing. That's what they should be doing. Yeah. Thank you. Tonight we have a different debate than the debates that we have been allowed to have so far. Because tonight is different because of this reason. That in the course of this presidential campaign, America has again been attacked by jihadi terrorists. American lives taken from us. So yes, we must talk about our ideas to move our economy forward, but the first job of the President of the United States is to protect the people of the United States. I visited with a number of our neighbors in Northern Virginia at a mosque on last Friday. And as I looked out there at the eyes of our neighbors, I also looked in the eyes of veterans. I looked into he the eyes very, of Boy Scouts. I looked yes, in the eyes um, of moms and dads speaks. who would do anything in their power <laughs> to protect our country's values and our freedoms. What our nation needs right now 
is to realize that while we face a terror danger, we also face a different sort of political danger. And that is the danger that democracies find themselves susceptible to when unscrupulous leaders try to turn us upon each other. Mm -hmm. What our country needs right now is new leadership that will bring us together around the values that unite us, around the freedoms that we share as Americans. We will rise to the challenge of ISIL, and we will rise together to the challenges that we face in our economy, but we will only do so if we hold true to the values and the freedoms that unite us, which means we must never surrender them to terrorists, must never surrender our American values to racists, must never surrender them to the fascist pleas of billionaires with big mouths. We are a better country than this. Our enduring symbol is not the barbed wire fence. It is the Statue of Liberty. And America's best days are in front of us. forward together. Shots. I was fired again. Oh, yeah, that was a good attack. <laughs> I think that was basically, Donald, Trump. go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and he... <laughs> fuck he, your wall. O'Malley has not been fuck shy. Fuck your money. He's not been shy about calling out Donald Trump. <laughs> no, not at all. No, he's been straight up about it the whole time. It's awesome. Well, and Clinton has <laughs> been calling him amazing. out of it, too, but... Not like he has. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was pretty beautiful. That was awesome. Come on, Bernie O'Malley ticket. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great, right? He'd be a, he'd be a brilliant vice. Yeah. yeah. Senator Sanders. Good evening. Uh, I am running for President of the United States because it is too late for establishment politics and establishment economics. I'm running for President because our economy is rigged, because working people are working longer hours for lower wages, and almost all of the new wealth and income being created is going to the top 1%. I'm running for president because I'm going to create an economy that works for working families, not just billionaires. I'm running for president because we have a campaign finance system which is corrupt, where billionaires are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to buy candidates who will represent their interest rather than the middle class and working families. I'm running because we need to address the planetary crisis of climate change and take on the fossil fuel industry and transform yep. our energy system yep. away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. Mm -hmm. I'm running for president because I want a new foreign policy, one that takes on ISIS, one that destroys ISIS. But one does not, one that does not get us involved in perpetual warfare in the quagmire of the Middle East, yep. but rather works around a major coalition of wealthy and powerful nations supporting Muslim troops on the ground. That's the kind of coalition we need, and that's the kind of coalition I will put together. Yes. Senator Sanders. That was good. Yeah, that was good. In, in watching his in watching his gesticulations, mm -hmm. probably because we were doing the. I was so Ryan had his had had his uh, movie little short your short movie yeah. during the film festival yeah. last night that that I went to, and then afterward we went to uh, the that, tavern after, yeah, and it was karaoke night. So probably just because I have karaoke kind of on my, on my mind, but seeing Bernie's gesticulations of you know moving his arm and like punctuating each syllable that he speaks, I was I was like following the bouncing the, ball, ball along with the, the lyrics. <laughs> 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 
We do have a lot of important issues to get here uh, tonight, and we want to address the controversy of the last 24 hours right off the top because uh, we heard some of the most hated rhetoric yeah, of the of campaign course. so far between two of the campaigns on this stage tonight. Senator Sanders, you fired a campaign staffer. You have sued the Democratic National Committee. All of this after your campaign acknowledged that some of your staffers, quote, irresponsibly access data from another campaign. The Clinton campaign called this a very egregious breach of data and ethics and said, quote, our data was stolen. Did they overstate this or were your staffers essentially stealing part of the Clinton playbook? All right, David, uh, let me give you a little bit of background here. The DNC has hired vendors. On two occasions, there were breaches in information. Two months ago, our staff found information on our computers from the Clinton campaign. And what our staff has said, whoa, what's going on here? They went to the DNC quietly. They went to the vendor and said, hey, something is wrong. And that was quietly dealt with. None of that information was looked at. Our staff at that point did exactly the right thing. A few days ago, similar incident happened. There was a breach because the DNC vendor screwed up. Information came to our campaign. In this case, our staff did the wrong thing. They looked at that information. As soon as we learned that they looked up? at that information, we fired that person. We are now doing an independent internal investigation to see who else was involved. Thirdly, what well, I have a real problem with, and as you mentioned, this is a problem. I recognize it is a problem. But what the DNC did arbitrarily without discussing it with us is shut off our access yeah. to our own information, yeah, yeah, crippling yeah. our campaign. That is an egregious act. I'm glad that late last night that was resolved. Fourthly, I work, look forward to working with Secretary Clinton for an investigation, an independent investigation about all of the breaches that have occurred from day one in this campaign because I am not convinced that information from our campaign may not have ended up in her campaign. Don't know that. But we need an independent investigation, and I hope Secretary Clinton will agree with me for the need of that. Last point. When we saw the breach two months ago, we didn't well run into the media right. and make a big deal about it. And it bothers me very much that rather than working on this issue to resolve it, it has become many press releases from the Clinton campaign Ooh. later. <laughs> well... And it's almost like, you know, hey, the private sector can't fucking provide everything. Yeah. Maybe we need an independent organization that yeah. isn't a commercial off-the-shelf software program. And it's not like Bernie Sanders' campaign stuff. hacked into Hillary's thing. It was, right. No, right, right, it was right, right, open. Right. Like, it was... It was handed to him. Yeah. It yeah. was like, it's just... I, here's the like, thing. Whoops. I think, you know, Bernie Sanders may not win the presidency in his lifetime. I'd love to see it, but I mean, it's a possibility that that's never going to happen. But I think at some point, <laughs> you no, always have nice to pay attention to that. Nice <laughs> at some point, somebody with very similar views will win the presidency, and they'll they'll call back to the time when Bernie Sanders was saying was right. all the right things. Yeah, but what wasn't allowed you know, to win the presidency because of this or that stupid thing. And all this kind of bullshit like this is going to come up and well, and, and coming from a computer security and it security network security background. If you, if you see something that causes 
concern or alarm, you don't just shut down your fucking computer and step back from it and go, <laughs> uh, this no. might be bad. <laughs> I, I'm not sure because I haven't really looked at it thoroughly, but I saw something that could be really bad <laughs> and I need to call someone. Yeah. No, I mean, as as a computer security professional, you would investigate it a little bit and see, well, what exactly is exposed? What can I get to? What can I see? What can I see that I should not be seeing? And then I'm going to gather this information and, and send it to it the pro- send it to the appropriate person to figure what the fuck happened. I'm not just going to say, oh, there might be a problem. I mean, because that's the first thing, right? If you have any kind of computer problem at all. The person that you're calling to help you with this problem has to know what the problem is, yeah. and they have to be able to replicate it and duplicate it. And so you can't just go, "I think there might be a problem." You don't call, you don't, you don't turn on your computer, see that one of your icons has moved, and immediately call Dell. Right? You don't. That doesn't fucking happen. You you figure out what's going on, and then you call them and say, "I did this, and then this happened, and this is what I'm seeing." It's. <laughs> I I kind of feel bad for the guy who who got what? fired, but. Yeah, because yeah, I did read one thing where he was claiming, he's like, I never read anything. Because yeah, I clicked on it, but I didn't read it. Like, I realized what I clicked on, and whoops. Yeah, I, I checked to see, can I actually download this shit? Because that would be really bad if I can. Oh, yep, I can. That's really bad. I should let somebody know about it. And then he did. Yeah. So. Yeah. But at the same time, Bernie really had no choice there. Yeah. True. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean he, he could have gone to the guy and been like, have we restarted the campaign? <laughs> you know, uh, but he's a political casualty. <laughs> he yes, uh, basically is what absolutely. is what it boils yeah, down absolutely. to. Absolutely, which sucks. <laughs> Do mention the DNC, the vendor, but you said of your staff that they did the wrong thing. Absolutely. So, does Secretary Clinton deserve an apology tonight? Yes, I apologize, Secretary Clinton. <laughs> that's how you do that. <laughs> No hemming, no hawing, no, no yes, maybe, I perhaps. Yeah, I, I apologize. Yep. Boom. Yeah. Not only, not only do I apologize to Secretary Clinton, and I hope we can work together on an independent investigation from day one, I want to apologize to my supporters. This is not the type of campaign that we run. And Ooh, if I good. find anybody else involved in this, they will also be fired. Secretary Clinton, he's apologized. Nice. How do you react? I very much appreciate um, uh, that uh, comment, uh, Bernie, it really uh, yeah, like, I is important that we go say. forward on this. Yeah. I know that you now have your data back and that there has been an agreement for an independent uh, inquiry into what did happen. Um, obviously, we were distressed when we learned of it uh, because we've worked very hard. I said in the beginning of this campaign, uh, we wanted to reach as many voters as possible, and we have tens of thousands of volunteers doing that and entering data all the time to keep up with what uh, people are telling us. Um, and so uh, now that I think you know we've resolved your data, we've uh, agreed on a independent uh, inquiry, we should move on because I don't think the American people are all that interested in this. I think they're uh, more interested in what we have to say about all the big issues facing us. Yeah, oh, David so she just, she just gave him loud. what he gave her Our about the emails. Our country has yeah, been attacked. Yeah. 
Yep, we much. have pressing issues involving how we're going to adapt to this changing era of warfare. Our economy, people are working harder and being left behind. You want to know why things don't get done in Washington? Because for the last 24 hours, with those issues being so urgent to people as they tune in tonight, wondering how they're going to you know, even be able to buy presents for their kids, instead, we're listening to the bickering back and forth. Maybe that's normal politics in Washington, but that is not the politics of higher purpose that people expect from our party. We need to address our security issues. We need to address the economic issues around He's the kitchen like table. Marco Rubio right people now. want a more high-minded yeah, he, he politics kind of and want to move our country Rubio. forward. Go on to martinomalley.com and help my campaign <laughs> move our country forward. All three let candidates. Me, right David, let me agree with Governor O'Malley and let me agree with Secretary Clinton. You know, we had this incident before, Secretary yeah, of agree famous to emails, agree. right? And what I said, and I think what Governor O'Malley is saying, and I hope you say, is when the middle class of this country is disappearing, when we have massive income and wealth inequality, when we're the only major country on earth not guaranteeing health care to all people, all of the issues that the governor talked about, the secretary talked about, those are the issues, media notwithstanding. Those are the issues that the American people want discussed. Good, I hope those on. are the issues we'll discuss. Senator tonight. Sanders, let's move on right to some of those yeah, issues. Don't bring up media. It is just six days before <laughs> Christmas, as we all know, in this Moving country. On. It's typically a joyful time, as it is this year as well, but it's also an anxious time. President Obama has acknowledged that what we saw in San Bernardino was an act of terrorism. But we remember the president said yeah. right before Thanksgiving, there is no known specific incredible intelligence indicating a plot incredible? on the homeland. We oh, now know that this couple had incredible. assembled an arsenal. Incredible. They were not on law enforcement's radar. They were completely undetected. So as we approach another holiday, with the president again saying late this week, no credible threat, Secretary Clinton, how confident should the American people be that there aren't others like that couple right now in the U.S. going undetected? And what would you do as president to find them? Well, first, the most important job of being president is obviously to keep our country safe and to keep the families of America safe. Uh, I have a plan that I've put forward to go after ISIS, uh, not what to contain them, but to defeat them. And it has three parts. First, three parts. Uh, to go after them and deprive them of the territory they occupy now in both Syria and Iraq. How so? Secondly, to go no after turkeys. and dismantle their global network of terrorism. And thirdly, to do more to keep us safe. Under each she of didn't those three no, parts she didn't. of my plan, I have... No, she it's, said nothing. It's, she, she tries to make it look like she's providing details, but she's not. It's, no. just, it's, it's just fluffy. This is what I plan to do. No. It's a three-pronged strategy of doing these very the, vague yeah. things. Yeah, what, what she said was, we have uh, a plan to beat ISIS... And it's a three-part plan. Number one, we're going to beat, beat ISIS. Two, beat ISIS. Beat three, again. beat ISIS. Yeah. Well, at first we're going to beat them at home. Then we're going to beat them abroad. And then uh, we're going to make sure they don't web, beat us here. Then yeah. we're going to web beat them. <laughs> yeah, she's she drops it from yeah. from I mean, the not... from the ten thousand foot view to the eight thousand foot view. Right. And and everybody goes, oh yeah, she's provided some specifics and some details. Yeah. No, no like, not I want to. Really. I want to know what countries are you, do you want to ally with? How are we going to deploy troops? Do you want to do an air war? Are we going to you know supply arms to certain countries? What's your plan? Yeah. Yeah. What are the specifics here? specific recommendations about what to do. <laughs> Obviously, in the first, we do have to have a 
an American-led air campaign. Okay. We have to have Arab and Kurdish troops on the ground. What if you don't Secondly, get that? we've got to go American after everything from North Africa to South Asia and beyond. And then, most importantly, here at home. I think there are three things that we have to get right. <clears throat> we have to do the best. I don't mean to stop it again so quickly, but... So I've I've read some of the reports and, and listened to some of the commentary about this debate. I don't remember any of them mentioning anything about Clinton suggesting that we have American boots on the ground. I haven't seen that anywhere. Nope. I mean, that was just so quickly glossed over and just thrown out there. Yeah. Like, and, oh, yeah, this. And, oh, uh, by yep. the way, like, I haven't heard anybody even mention that at all. I, I was surprised and, to hear her actually say it because I haven't heard it anywhere else. Yeah, and a big part of that is because people accept her her... her uh, answers of or indescript answers as sufficient answers for the things she's proposing. Yeah, I just did a Hillary right there, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> what okay. I, what, I, what I'm saying is that that whenever she gives an answer, people are like, oh yeah, yay, yeah, perfect, sure. But it's great. It, she, anyway, go Hillary, you get them. Yeah, so they f- they forget about that. The, yeah, only, the only real thing she said is more boot, more American boots on the ground in the Middle East and yeah, and, 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 and air beyond. power and and yeah and, and air support. Like yeah. I said, I was just I was surprised to hear that because I haven't heard that in any yeah. coverage of the debate at all. Because the Republicans get Republicans get bashed all the time for saying we're putting boots in the ground. It's like no, a lot of this country does not want to see boots back on the ground again. So yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Well, and she, I mean, it was just you know so quick in there yeah. that it was yeah. I was mm-hmm. surprised to hear it job of sharing intelligence and information. That now includes the internet because we have seen that ISIS is a very effective recruiter, propagandist, and inciter and celebrator of violence. That means we have to work closely with our great tech companies. (laughs) They can't see the government as an adversary. We can't see them as obstructionists. We've got to figure out how we can do more to understand who is saying what and what they're planning. And we must work more closely with Muslim American communities Just like Martin, I met with a group of Muslim Americans this past week to hear from them about what they're doing to try to stop radicalization. They will be our early warning signal. That's why we need to work with them, not demonize them as the Republicans have been doing. David, I am the very first first post-9-11 mayor and the very first post-9-11 governor. I understand from the ground up that when attacks like San Bernardino happen, when attacks like the attacks of 9-11 happen, that when people call 911, the first people to show up are the local first responders. Many of the things Secretary Clinton said are are absolutely true, but they underscore a lack of uh, investment that we have, uh, as a nation, failed to make over these last 15 years in intelligence gathering, intelligence analysis, intelligence sharing. Not only in theater, in Syria and Iraq and other places where we involve ourselves in toppling dictators without having any idea what comes next, but here in the homeland, as we protect people uh, uh, from this threat of the lone wolves and these changing uh, uh, tactics and strategies. I believe that's what's happened here is that the president had us on the right course, but it's a lack of battle tempo. We have to increase the battle tempo. We have to bring a modern way of getting things done and forcing the sharing of information a and do a much better job of acting on it in order to prevent uh, these sorts of attacks in the future. Yeah, I like this little, <laughs> chop, little chop, gesture. Chop, 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 chop. <laughs> Did you guys see that uh, fucking... I'm trying to think of what of who produced it, but it was a little clip about. Oh, I think it might have been uh, the Daily Show with with Noah, and he was he was talking about uh, John Kasich 
and some of his hand gestures, <laughs> and they're all like with oh, his yeah. thumb kind of tucked in this karate chop yeah. kind of thing while he's speaking. Yeah, and then someone put it to they threw up the yeah uh, the fruit, fruit ninja yeah fruit ninja. <laughs> he's, he's up there gesticulating and like slicing these pineapples yep. and coconuts in the air. It's kind of funny. <laughs> It's issues funny. tonight, but I do want to go to Senator Sanders because the concern going into Bernie Christmas sounds like is significant, the only as you know. A new ABC yeah. News poll shows 77% of Americans have little or no confidence in the government's ability to prevent a lone wolf attack. Well, how would you specifically hard. find would-be terrorists who are going... Yeah, I how mean, you, how, how would you do that? Unless you lock up everyone that goes, that white guy looks crazy, let's put him in jail. Yeah. That white guy looks crazy, yeah. put him in jail. Well, first of all... Let's not talk about guns, but fucking guns. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, are we are we talking about McCarthy era, McCarthy era politics, where you just round up everybody and anybody who could may, possibly who could possibly identify with a particular ideology? I mean, that's that's, that's, that's about the only way to solve it. Yeah, because a lone wolf is a lone wolf for a reason. There. Well, and even then, it's going to depend on who's in power and who decides who's the bad party. I mean, if right. you get a Ted Cruz, all the atheists will be in jail, and 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 they're still going to be terrorists. And Every the Muslims, day and the Muslims, the and, 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 and the Muslims. Muslims yeah, but I'm, but I'm yeah. saying, you know, I mean, so that's that's not going to work either. I'm one of the 77 uh, percent. I think this is a very difficult issue. And let me agree with much of what the secretary and the governor uh, have said. But let me tell you what I think we have got to do. I think it's a two pronged issue. Number one, our goal is to crush and destroy ISIS. What is the best way to do it? Well, I think there are some differences of opinion here, perhaps between the secretary and myself. I voted against the war in Iraq because yeah. I thought unilateral military action would not produce the results that were necessary and would, would lead to the kind of unraveling and instability that we saw in the Middle East. I do not believe in unilateral American action. Right. I believe in action in which we put together a strong coalition of forces, major powers and the Muslim nations. I think one of the heroes in a real quagmire out there, in a dangerous and difficult world, one of the heroes who we should recognize in the Middle East the is Kurds. King Abdul II hmm. of Jordan. This small country has welcomed in many refugees, and Abdullah said something recently very important. He said, yes, international terrorism is by definition an international issue, but it is primarily an issue of the Muslim nations who are fighting for the soul of Islam. We, the Muslims, should lead the effort on the ground, and I believe he is absolutely right. Yes, Senator, thank you. I agree 100%. Secretary Clinton, no applause. in the yeah. wake I of the that San one. Bernardino attack. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't any applause. No. I think that was a very that should have been a, worthy that, line. That should have been a standing O right there. Yeah. I mean, the, the Republicans have even been calling for of that. In the the San Bernardino yeah. attack, you all emphasized gun put control, on the applause but our sign. latest yeah, poll shows <laughs> that more Americans believe arming people, not stricter gun laws, is the best defense against terrorism. <laughs> Are they wrong? Yes. Well, I think you have to look at both uh, the... Uh, no, they're wrong. Terrorism challenge that we face abroad and certainly at home, and the role that uh, guns play in delivering the violence that stalks us. Yeah, much of it. Clearly, we have to have a very specific <laughs> set of actions to take. You yeah, know, no when guns. Senator Sanders talks about a coalition, <laughs> I agree with him about that. We've got to build a coalition abroad. We also have to build a coalition at home. Abroad, we need a coalition. She's not answering the question. No, mm -mm. not at all. I know how hard that is. I know that it isn't something you just 
hope people will do. And Secretary I've worked Clinton, on can that. Can we stick to gun control? Yeah, but I'm getting to that because I think if you only think about the coalition abroad, you're missing the main point, which is we need a coalition here at home. Her people told her to say, say coalition about a hundred times. In my tonight. opinion, yeah. will not make Americans safer. We lose 33,000 people a year already to gun violence. There you go. Arming more people. To do what I think is not the appropriate response to terrorism. Yep. I think what it there is. There we go. Why, why didn't they clap for Bernie? Because Debbie was, didn't light the lights up there. It's creating much deeper, <laughs> closer up just yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, relations yeah. and, yes, coalitions within our own country. The first line of defense against radicalization is in the Muslim American community. People who we should be welcoming and working with. I worry greatly that the rhetoric coming from the Republicans, particularly Donald Trump, Ooh. is sending a message right, to Muslims to here in the United name. States and literally around the world that there is a clash of civilizations, that there is some kind of Western plot or even war against Islam, which then, I believe, fans the flames of radicalization. So guns have to be looked at as its own problem, but we also have to figure well, out that's, how that's we're, what we're going talking to about deal right now. Yeah, with the guns. radicalization. Yeah. Here in the United Martha, States. On this Senator issue, Sanders, this is one, wait just a moment, please, Governor O'Malley. Senator Sanders, we've seen those long lines of people buying. You're irrelevant, Martin. Just yeah, be quiet for I a know, moment, okay? I know. It's, I, I, I kind of like him for certain things. The adults are talking. <laughs> Senator Sanders, we've seen those long lines of people buying guns in record numbers after the Paris attacks. Would you discourage people from buying guns? It's a country in which people choose to buy guns. I think half of the, more than half of the people in my own state of Vermont, my guests here in New Hampshire, are gun owners. Uh, that's the right of people. But this is what I do believe. I believe that when we have some 300 million guns in this country, uh, I believe that when we have seen these horrific uh, mass killings, uh, not only in San Bernardino, but in Colorado and, and, and movie theaters in Colorado, I think we have got to bring together the vast majority of the people who do, in fact, believe in sensible gun safety regulations. For example, talking about polls, poll recently came out, overwhelming majority of the American people say we should strengthen the instant background check. Who denies that it is crazy? I think, I think we can all agree on that one. To yeah. allow people to own guns who are criminals or are mentally unstable. We've got to eliminate the gun show loophole. In my view, we have got to see that weapons designed by the military to kill people are not in the hands of civilians. I think there is a consensus. Yes. I think I'm not going to say that everybody is in agreement. It's a divided country on guns, but there is a broad consensus on sensible gun safety regulations that I, coming from a state that has virtually no gun control, will do my best to bring together. Martha, thank you, Sanders. We want to this touch on something that separates Governor on this stage, David. Excuse me, no. Governor, <laughs> you know, we have to abide by the rules here. We'll call on you here shortly. But I do want to pick up on something. actually passed comprehensive gun safety legislation <laughs> with a ban on combat assault weapons, David. And look, there are profound differences in this race on this issue. Senator Sanders. I think it's fair to give him a shot on the Brady topic. Bill. Yeah, definitely. Senator Sanders voted to give immunity to gun dealers. And Senator Sanders voted against 
expense even research dollars to look into this public health issue. Secretary Clinton changes her position on this every election year, it seems, having one position in 2000 and then campaigning against President Obama oh, and saying we brooding. don't need federal standards. Look, Our people are talking in the ear right now. She's like, is this is true? Did I? We need more principle. When ISIL does training videos that say the easiest way to get a combat assault weapon in the United States of America is at a gun show, yep. then Texas. we should all be waking up. We need comprehensive gun safety legislation yep. and a ban about, on combat well, let me, assault weapons. Let me weapons. stay yep. with gun control for a minute then. You talk about assault weapons. Even if you were able to ban the purchase of assault weapons tomorrow, Americans already own an estimated 7 to 10 million semi-automatic rifles. Would you make it illegal to own those weapons, force people to turn them in, and if not, how would banning the sales really make a difference? Because, Martha, it would prevent people like the guy that just got charged yesterday, uh, perhaps, from being able to buy combat assault weapons. You know, we are the only nation, only developed nation on the But again, I'm not talking about buying. Would you have them confiscated, the ones that are already here? No, Martha. Well, your question was two-pronged. First, you yeah, said... Yeah, it was. First, you said, would you do that? And then, how would it make a difference? He's yeah. explaining how it would make a difference. Yeah. But you know what we did in Maryland? We overcame the uh, NRA's objections. We overcame all of the crowds that were coming down there. We did our own rallies. And at least if we enact these laws in a prospective way, we can address a major vulnerability in our country. ISIL videos, ISIL training videos are telling lone wolves the easiest way to buy a combat assault weapon in America is at a gun show. And it's because of the flip-flopping political approach of Washington that both of my two colleagues on this stage have represented there for the last 40 years. I was wondering who was saying that. It was Bernie. I am telling the truth. Let's maybe have some rules here, commentators. We will. All right. Let me just establish that for you, Senator, really quickly. Governor, we are going to call on you tonight. It's very clear you have a lot to say, but please wait until you're called upon. And Senator, he invoked your your record, and I'll let you respond. Invoked mine, and you will get to you as well. Yeah, yeah, you did. First thought. We can do all the great speeches we want, but you ain't going to succeed unless there is a consensus. Right. In 1988, just to set the record straight, Governor, I ran for the U.S. House. We have one House member from Vermont, three candidates in the race. One candidate said, you know what? I don't think it's a great idea that we sell automatic weapons in this country that are used by the military to kill people very rapidly. Gun people said there were three candidates in the race. You vote for one of the others, but not Bernie Sanders. I lost that election by three percentage points, quite likely for that reason. So please do not explain to me, coming from a state where Democratic governors and Republican governors have supported virtually no gun control. Don't, don't, excuse me, do not tell me that I have not shown courage in standing up to the gun people, in voting to ban assault weapons, voting for instant background checks, voting to end the gun show loophole, and now in a position to create a consensus in America on gun safety. Senator, thank you. I, I said good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a, drop, a mic drop. <laughs> Secretary Clinton. Yeah, and, and Secretary Clinton, you brought up. And O'Malley is coming from Maryland, which is one of the worst gun violence states in the country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Senator, thank you. I want to move on here. Secretary Clinton. Secretary Clinton, you brought up Donald Trump a short time ago. I, I do, and this is an important issue, and I, I know we'll get to a lot of other uh, critical ones as well. Um, 
I actually agree with Governor O'Malley about the need Whoa. for common sense gun safety measures. <laughs> and I applaud his record in Maryland. I just wish he wouldn't misrepresent mine. I have been for the Brady Bill. I have been against assault weapons. I have voted not to give gun makers and sellers immunity. And I also know that and I'm glad to see this, Senator Sanders has really moved in face of the facts about what we're confronting in our country. I know that he has said in the two previous debates that he wants to take on this immunity issue because we need to send a strong message to the gun manufacturers, to the sellers, to the gun lobby. And I would hope, Senator Sanders, that you would join the Democrats who are trying to close the Charleston loophole, that you would sponsor or co-sponsor legislation to remove the absolute immunity. We need to move on this consensus that exists in the country. It's no longer enough just to say the vast majority of Americans want common sense gun safety measures, including gun owners. We need... and. Good. Only the three of us will do this. Nobody on the Republican side will even admit right. there's a problem. Yeah, and in right. whatever way the three of us can, we need to move this agenda forward and begin to deal with the gun lobby and the intimidation. And she is just getting so much more applause. I think that may be why the media was saying she won this debate. Yeah, well, and Bernie was nodding the whole time, nodding yeah. in approval yeah. of what she was saying. Yeah, he was. Secretary Clinton, thank you. We're going to move on from guns here and go back to something you mentioned a short time ago. You, you brought up Donald Trump first here this evening. We've now seen the polling done well after his proposed ban on Muslims coming to America. 36% of Americans, more than a third, agree with him. You have weighed in already on Donald Trump. You've weighed it's in on the proposed crazy. ban. But what yeah. would you say to the millions the of, of Americans watching tonight who agree with him? Are they wrong? Well, I think a lot yes. of people yes. are understandably reacting out of fear and anxiety uh, about what they're seeing. First, what they saw in Paris, now what they have seen in San Bernardino. Um, and Mr. We Trump has a great capacity uh, to use bluster and bigotry to inflame people and to make them think there are easy answers to very complex questions. So what I would say is, number one, we need to be united against the threats that we face. We need to have everybody in our country focused on watching what happens and reporting it if it's suspicious, reporting what you hear, making sure that Muslim Americans don't feel left out or marginalized at the very moment when we need their help. You know, I was a senator yeah. from New York after 9-11, and we uh. spent countless hours trying to figure out how to protect the city and the state from perhaps additional attacks. One of the best things that was done, and George W. Bush did this, and I give him credit, was to reach out to Muslim Americans and say, we're in this together. You are not our adversary. You are our partner. And we also need to make sure that the really discriminatory messages that Trump is sending around the world don't fall on receptive ears. He is becoming yeah. ISIS's best recruiter. <laughs> they are going to people showing videos of Donald Trump insulting yeah, yeah, Islam yeah. and Muslims. Which that ended up being 100% false. Yeah, yeah, that that's one of the things that I that yeah. I heard as as the talking points in reporting about this yeah. uh, debate was that she had said this, and it's not at all true. It's like, kind of like Trump well, saying not that... Not necessarily that it's not at all true, but that there's no evidence to back up yeah. what she's saying. There, uh, that but ISIS it, is using Trump videos yeah. as to help them out. But it's kind of like when Donald said that Muslims were celebrating and cheering and having tailgate parties uh, during 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, there's there's no positive evidence to say that what she just said is true. But I mean, it it could happen. I don't know. But there's no there's no direct evidence to say that yes, this is absolutely happening because we have this on video. Or, maybe in or terms sound or maybe in terms of the videos and stuff. But I mean, I I I, 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 I Trump think they'll not, use it as Trump, a talking Trump point. Trump is over not there. doing us any favors. No. correct with the the Islamic world. Right, radical jihadists. So I want to. Let me back and Muslims in order to recruit more radical jihadists. So I want to explain why this is not in America's interest to react with this kind of fear and respond to this sort of bigotry. Secretary, thank you. Senator Sanders, I did want to ask you about a neighbor in San Bernardino. And I love that she called it out for what it is. It's fucking bigotry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, she didn't. She didn't say it's you know politically incorrect or whatever. It's, it's fucking, fucking bigotry. bigotry. Yeah. yeah, being delivered to that couple's home, that it set off red flags, but they didn't report it because they were afraid to profile. What would you say to Americans afraid to profile? You know Is packages I get at my house every week. Um, I love Amazon Prime. The answer is Me obviously <laughs> if you see suspicious activity, you report it. That's the kind of a no-brainer. You know, if somebody is loading guns and ammunition into a house, I think it's a good idea to call 911. You know how often I do that? Well, not as much uh, anymore. You but. know, I've, I've, I've often wondered how many of my neighbors think I'm like a drug dealer or something because I only go to the office one day a week, so I'm always yeah. at home, right? But I've got this nice home. And there's always really packages nice arriving. There's all these packages <laughs> arriving. There's various vehicles showing up throughout the week. You know, Tracy's family will come over, or my family will come over. We'll have friends over. We, you know, we've got we've got people here a lot of the time. So there's cars coming and going. Danica comes and goes. Just all people the time. coming, packing cocaine inside their body cavities <laughs> and leaving the house. You guys come over once a week. You know, there's a couple cars parked in front of my house. You guys leave. It's like I wonder honestly. I, it's it's seriously been a thought in my mind Sorry. like i wonder how many of my neighbors think i'm a drug dealer or something because <laughs> but there's probably the common theme of every single vehicle that pulls into your driveway has some sort of atheist sticker on the back <laughs> of it it's like the atheist mafia is showing up <laughs> except They're plotting dan really likes the the cocaine rocks that i had in my rectum <laughs> oh hey dan have some ass crack i don't like the rocks as much as i like exploring to find them uh, whoa <laughs> I don't know why I just did like a 1990s Nickelodeon commercial. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Ass crack! Yeah, all right! There's an ammunition into a house. I think it's a good idea to call 911. Do it! But I'm asking but, about, no, I'm no, asking no, no, about no. profiling because a lot of people about, are I want to talk about something else because Secretary Clinton, I think, made some interesting and good points. What you have now is a very dangerous moment in American history. Secretary is right. Our people are fearful. They are anxious on a number of levels. They are anxious about international terrorism and the possibility of another attack in America. We all understand that. But you know what else they're anxious about? They're anxious about the fact that they are working incredibly long hours. <laughs> they're worried about their kids, and they're yep. seeing all the new income and wealth, virtually all of it, going to the top 1%. And they're looking around them, and they're looking at Washington, and they're saying the rich are getting much richer, I'm getting poorer. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do for my kids? And somebody like a Trump comes along and says, I know the answers. The answer is that all of the Mexicans, they're criminals and rapists. we got to hate the Mexicans. Those are your enemies. We hate all the Muslims because all of the Muslims are terrorists. we got to hate the Muslims. Meanwhile, the rich get richer. So what I say to those people who go to Donald Trump's rallies, understand, he thinks a low minimum wage in America is a good idea. He thinks low wages are a good idea. I believe we stand together 
to address the real issues facing this country, not allow them to divide us by race or where we come from. Let's create an America that works for all of us, not the handful on top. Senator, thank yeah. you. To another. <laughs> Want the man to share this no, no, not yet. Governor Mountain. Not yet. Governor Mountain. No, no. Wait your turn. They're being a little hard on him. They are. It's like it's like everybody else gets to talk, and it's yeah. like, oh, oh, I want to say something about that. There's two other people. That's the hard thing. Yeah. Well, and he's not even he's not even like saying, well, I don't get to talk at all. Well, at least not yet. I don't know if he does later or not, but. I mean, he's he hasn't complained that they're doing this yet, but it's but they're clearly doing yeah. it. I mean, anytime he wants to pitch in and say something, they're like he just no. keeps trying to talk over him. And Martin, <laughs> the adults are talking. Yeah, we haven't said what do we say. We say that you can speak when we tell you that it's okay to speak. If you haven't okay? noticed, you're at the kitty podium. <laughs> it comes with a juice box and chicken nuggets. We don't have two separate debates tonight, but just know that if we did, you would be a lone yeah. person in the other debate, okay? We're just going to put a red light on over your head. <laughs> we'll let you know when we want to hear something from you, and until then, you need to just be quiet, okay? Okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> share that. You'll story. be happy. I'll, 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 let, I'll let you talk then. Secretary Clinton, I want to talk I'll about a new terrorist then. tool used in the Paris attacks, encryption. FBI Director James Comey says terrorists can hold secret communications which law enforcement cannot get to even with a court order. You've talked a lot about bringing tech leaders and government officials together, but Apple CEO Tim Cook said removing encryption tools from our products altogether would only hurt law-abiding citizens who rely on us to protect their data. So would you force him to give law enforcement a key to encrypted technology by making it law? No. I would not want to go no. uh, to that point. I would hope that given the extraordinary capacities that the tech community has and the legitimate needs and questions from law enforcement, uh, that there could be a Manhattan-like project, something that would bring the government and the tech communities together to see they're not adversaries. They've got to be partners. It doesn't do anybody any good if terrorists can move toward encrypted communication that no law enforcement agency can break into before or after, there must be some way. I don't know enough about the technology, Martha, to be able to say what it is, but I have a lot of... I like that she said she doesn't know enough about it versus Carly Fiorina who says, I know, know. I ran a a tech company, though I don't know how fucking GPS GPS. works. (laughs) But she's going to use GPS to find those terrorists on the internet. Or like Donald Trump who says you can just shut Shut down down parts of the internet. Like, that's a fucking solution. He's just going to take his shards with laser beams in their head and shoot the satellite down <laughs> this guy. We just need some shocks with some freaking <laughs> laser, laser beams, beams on the head, okay? It's simple. It's 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 a, it's a it would be incredible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like them lasers they used to do the eye surgery. It'll really, strategically it'd be, it'd take it'd out certain It would be incredible and amazing. You just don't know. It would be yeah. beautiful. Really terrific. It just it would be really terrific. You don't know. I, I know these people. I work with these people all the time. <laughs> it would be like the birth of your third child. They're going to say to me, Donald, how do we fix this? And I tell them, and they'll do it because I contribute to them to their companies. I give them money all the time. These people, these people, they I, owe I, me. I, they, they owe me, okay? Yeah. It's <laughs> in our tech experts. And maybe the back door is the wrong door. And I. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe. Hmm. Maybe the back door is the wrong door. I thought that's the one spot Jesus didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> the poop hole loophole. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she'll turn it into Experts. an analogy. And maybe the back door is the wrong door. And I understand what uh, Apple and others are saying about that. But I also understand when a law enforcement official charged with the responsibility of preventing attacks, to go back to our early questions, how do we prevent attacks? Well, if we can't know what someone is planning, we are going to have to rely on the neighbor or you know, the member of the mosque or the teacher, somebody to see something. I just think there's got to be a way, and I would hope that our tech companies would work with government to figure that out. Other- I disagree completely. I disagree fucking completely. And the reason I disagree completely is because if the internet weren't around, what would the, what would their suggestion be? I mean, how would this be any different than, you know, opening somebody's mail? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You got to open every letter that comes to the post office, read every piece of mail before it goes on. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're going to have to have a back door to be able to read everybody's mail. That's or we're going to have to have a back door to listen to everybody's telephone conversations. Yeah. Or we're going to have to have everybody's, everybody's private conversations recorded in their home somehow so that we can have a back door to review those yeah. things in the aftermath and see what went wrong and how we can fix it. I disagree completely with any kind of fucking monitoring of the internet, your telephones, your email, yep. anything like that. That's, that's so anti-American, anti-freedom. That's, that's just, it's beyond the pale that, that, that it's even a suggestion to me. Yeah. It's basically like what you say with the post office. If the post office took a piece of mail that came through, opened it, scanned it, and put it into their own database so they can go back and find right. it later on, yeah, that's a total breach of privacy. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't see how they, how they don't view that as being the same. Can I just, can I just get a minute no, on this? No, no, the adults are talking here. I just want a little bit. I was just going to say uh, the, the, the irony of, of Hillary talking about investigating private emails. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Benghazi! That's just not how it works. Our tech companies would work with government to figure that out. Otherwise, law enforcement is blind. Blind before, blind during, and unfortunately, in many instances, blind after. And they always have been. Yeah. That's something you need to learn to deal with. That's why you need to have... That's why you need to fund the appropriate agencies to get people to infiltrate these types of groups. You don't, you don't spy on fucking everybody hoping to catch, you know, to filter out the fly in the ointment. You're going to mm-hmm. have to get into these organizations and find and I, out what the fuck is going well, on. Well, like they used to do with the mob and like the right. Hells Angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. guys deep undercover for five years, get in the organization, figure all the shit out, and then leave. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way because, I mean, how many innocent people are already going to jail and prison for stuff when it's left up to... Law, law enforcement agencies to be judge, jury, executioner. Right well, and how spot. many yeah. of us? Just, how many of us? Work. Even if it's just the tiniest little notion in the back of our mind, in private communications with our friends over the internet, we'll mention the word bomb or something like oh, that, right, right. and think, "Oh God, the NSA is going to pick yeah, up yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, Somebody's yeah, yeah. going to knock on my fucking door right. on the phone on purpose right. before I'm like, I better say, bomb, shoot, kill, ISIS." Obama. Obama. <laughs> I will have the FBI showing up at my door tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that. even if it's just the, the tiniest little niggling thing in the back of your mind, everybody thinks about yeah. that now, right? And they shouldn't have to. Yeah. Security, 
privacy Guns. and safety, but I know that law enforcement needs the tools to keep us safe, and that's what I hope there can be some understanding and cooperation to achieve. And, and Governor O'Malley, where do you draw the line between national security and personal security? I believe that we should never give up our, uh, our privacy, never sh should give up our freedoms in exchange for a promise of security. We need to figure this yes. out together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We need a collaborative approach. Yeah. We need new leadership. The way that things work in the modern era is actually to get, gather people around the table and figure these things out. The federal government should have to get warrants. That's not some sort of passe, yeah, absolutely. you know, uh, antique sort of principle that safeguards our freedoms. Uh, but at the same time, with new technologies, I believe that the people creating these projects, all, I mean, these products, also have an obligation to come together with law enforcement to figure these things out, true to our American principles and values. And you know, my friend uh, Kashif, who is a a, a doctor oh, in Maryland, sounds uh, like back a Muslim. To the, this issue I of agree. our danger as a democracy of turning against ourselves. <laughs> he was putting his ten and twelve year old boys to bed the other night, and he is a proud American Muslim. And one of his little boys he is a him, Dad. <laughs> What happens if uh, Donald Trump wins and we have to move out of our homes? These are very, very real issues. This is a clear and present danger in our politics within. We need to speak to what unites us as a people. Freedom of worship, freedom of religion, freedom of expression. And we should never be convinced to give up those freedoms in exchange for a promise of, of greater security, especially from someone as untried and as incompetent as Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Turned out refugees coming he did much better America. than anyone else and, um, on that. The subject yeah, of refugees, more than half of all Americans now say they He's, oppose taking in refugees from Syria and across the Middle East. Secretary Clinton, you have... What was that? I think he should have probably included freedom of speech, freedom of press, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Due process as far as the important things and not just all the guys. Well, like actually rights, follow our constitution. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, his point's taken. <clears throat> I'll say they oppose taking in refugees from Syria and across the Middle East. Secretary Clinton, you have said that it would undermine who we are as Americans shutting our doors. But New Hampshire's governor, where we are right here tonight, a Democrat and a supporter of yours, is among more than 30 governors who are now concerned. Governor Maggie Hassan says we should halt acceptance of Syrian refugees until U.S. authorities can assure the vetting process. Halt Syrian refugees a pause. Is she wrong? She looks kind of like well, a corpse. Well, I agree that we have She's to have the wrong. toughest yeah. screening and vetting that but we can have. I don't think a halt is necessary. What we have to do is... Fucking France hasn't issued a halt. They no, were just fucking I attacked. I know. I know. Hillary we are just, the only country issuing a halt. Hillary just needs to give an answer. Yeah. Unequivocal, just no, yeah, she's fucking wrong. Well, what we need to look at is this. That's her first response every time. Yeah. Just just give don't us think a, a halt answer. is necessary. Yeah. What we have to do is put all of our resources through the Department of Homeland Security, through the State Department, through our intelligence agencies, and we have to have an increased vetting and screening. Now this takes, David. 18 months to 24 years, up uh, to 24 months, two <laughs> 24 years. years. No, it's Holy not going to happen overnight. And everything that can be done should be done. But the process should move forward while we are also taking on ISIS, putting together the kind of strategy that I've advocated for, and making sure that the vetting and the screening is as tough as possible. Because I do believe that we have a history and a tradition 
Uh, that is part of our value system. And we don't want to sacrifice our values. We don't want to you know, make it seem as though we are turning into a nation of fear instead of a nation of resolve. Well, so I like. want us to have a very tough screening process, but I want that process to go forward. And if at the end of 18 months, 24 months, there are people who have That's been what we clear have right and now. I prioritize widows and orphans and the elderly, people who uh, may have relatives, families, or who have nowhere else to go, I would prioritize them. And that would, I think, give the American public a bit more of a sense of security about who is being processed and who might end up coming as refugees. Wait, I don't understand that. Why would we prioritize those with no families and nowhere to go over those with families who do have somewhere to go? Like, well, if is you, she saying that those who already have families here with somewhere to go would be more likely to be terrorists? It seems like that would be well, just think, the think, polar opposite, right? I thought they were part of the, what she was saying. Like, if you have a family here, you should be prioritized. If you're a single mother, you should be prioritized. If you're a widow, you should be prioritized. Basically, if you're a full, complete family in another country, you're fucked. Well, and, and I, I, maybe I heard that. Or if you're a male. Maybe I, I, think, I thought she was saying each of those groups should be prioritized to come first before, like, See, the males I, I, come over or a complete family, like a mother, father, son, daughter come over. I'm going to back that up because I heard it just the opposite way, and I, I'm probably wrong here. But Our I'm gonna people back it up who here. have... I'm going to back it up because... ...us to have a very tough screening process, but I want that process to go forward. And if at the end of 18 months, 24 months, there are people who have been cleared, and I would prioritize widows and orphans and the elderly, people who uh, may have relatives, families, or who have nowhere else to go, I would prioritize them, and that would... Okay, I did have yeah. it exactly backward. Okay. Yeah, so basically, the, the, the males and like a complete family... Gets, yeah. gets gets to go last. Yeah, yeah. I, I had that exactly backward. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. More of a sense of security about Sometimes who Hillary's is being hard processed understand. and who might end up coming <laughs> as refugees. Governor O'Malley, obviously you were governor uh, yourself at one time. What would you say to New Hampshire's governor tonight? Is she wrong on this? Yes. What, no. What I would say is this: that uh, look, I was the first of the three of us to call for America to accept the sixty-five thousand refugees we were asked to accept. And if this humanitarian crisis increases, we should accept more. So the yeah. idea of a halt or a pause? I think David, Canada just said they're going to David, increase theirs. There, there are wider vulnerabilities than when it comes to refugees. I met recently with some uh, members of the Chaldean Christian community, and the wait times are a year, 18 months, 24 months. There is a pretty excruciating process that refugees go through. Yep, we need there. to invest more yep. in terms of the other sort of visas and the other sort of waivers. What these Chaldean families told me was that their families in Syria, when ISIS moves into their town, they actually paint a red cross across the door and mark their homes for uh, demolition and that tells the family, you better get out now. The sort of genocide and brutality that the victims are suffering, uh, these are not the perpetrators. We need to be the nation who's enduring symbol as a Statue of Liberty and we need to act like the great country we are according to our values. Yeah. So, so you, mean, you mean exactly what was done in Egypt for God to come down and murder all the Egyptian <laughs> yes. firstborns? Exactly that thing? Well, exactly well, that is what ISIS is doing? Well, there it was. You put the cross over your door, you were protected. To, to, to protect protection. It. There okay. it's, it's the exact opposite. Oh, right, right, right. So God is opposite <laughs> yeah, there of ISIS because he kills... Bizarro God. He, yeah. yeah, he kills the ones without the cross and ISIS kills the ones with it. Yeah, so, but I mean, so with, with so God's bulldozer yeah, and wrecking on. ball. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
Jesus is ISIS. ISIS Christ. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. They probably ran on the black paint. I got left to spread. ISIS Christ. Whoa, nice face. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. It's a hard compliment. We're going to move on. I have a chance to respond to this issue. We're going to move on to the fight against ISIS. You guys all happy to follow this rules and break it off. Yeah, but the rule includes equal. Got it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's keep going. Thank Let's you. Keep going. Okay. Thank you. I do want to move to the fight against ISIS. Yes. For the people of New Hampshire, the brutality of ISIS is personal. James Foley grew up here, the first hostage, a journalist, brutally executed last year. You've all said ISIS. Is that was the guy who was beheaded. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Be stopped. Yep. Al Qaeda as well. Senator Sanders, you voted to send U.S. ground forces to fight in a coalition to help destroy al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. Can you then explain why you don't support sending U.S. combat troops to join a coalition to fight ISIS? And I also voted and helped lead the effort against the war in Iraq, which will go down in history as one of the worst foreign blunders, uh, foreign policy blunders in the history of our country. I voted against the first Gulf War, which set the stage, I believe, for the second Iraq War. Yeah, yep. <clears throat> so I was listening to Cognitive Dissonance earlier today, and Tom and Cecil were talking about this, right? And they said that, you know, whether we send ground troops or not, ISIS wins either way, right? Either we send ground troops in, which fulfills the prophecy so that know, they've to, laid down. To kill Americans. That, that, you know, the Americans will invade to try to stop the caliphate, or right. we don't send ground troops in, and then they win because we're not doing anything to stop yeah, them. Right, so it's, right. it's a win-win for them either way. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no easy way around that at all. Yeah, and thus has ever been the Middle East. Yeah. The first Gulf War would set the stage, I believe, for the second Iraq War. And what I believe right now, and I believe this is terribly important, is the United States of America cannot succeed or be thought of as the policeman of the world. That when there's an international crisis all over the world, in France and in the UK, hey, just call up the American military and the American taxpayers, they're going to send the troops, and if they have to be in the Middle East for 20 or 30 years, no problem. But why Al-Qaeda, why I have a problem with that, Martha. What I believe has got to happen is there must be an international coalition, including Russia, a well-coordinated effort. But I agree, as I mentioned a moment ago with King Abdullah, this is a war for the soul of Islam. The troops on the ground should not be American troops. They should be Muslim troops. I believe that countries like Saudi Arabia and Qatar have got to step up yes, to the plate, absolutely. have got to contribute the money that we need and the troops that we need to destroy ISIS with American support. The, the administration has tried that over and over yeah, again. Do if it doesn't work and this threat is so great, what's your plan B? My plan is to make it work. To tell Saudi Arabia <laughs> that se- instead of going to war in Yemen, they, one of the wealthiest countries on earth, are going to yeah. have to go to war against ISIS. To tell Qatar that instead of spending $200 billion on the World Cup, Maybe they should take <laughs> to, to ISIS, which is at their doorstep. <laughs> Secretary Clinton, 
You two have ruled out a large U.S. combat force, yet you support sending in special operations forces to Syria and sending those 100 to 200 troops to Iraq to do exploitation kill raids. We've already lost one Delta Force member in a raid. It's looked very much to me like we're already in ground combat on frequent trips I've made there. So are you fooling Americans when you say we're not putting American combat troops back into Syria or Iraq? No, not at all. I think that what we're facing with ISIS is especially complicated. It was a different situation in Afghanistan. Um, we were attacked from Afghanistan. Al-Qaeda was based in Afghanistan. We went after those who had attacked us. What's happening in Syria and Iraq is that because of the failures in the region, including the failure of the prior government in Baghdad led by Maliki, uh, there has been a resurgence uh, of Sunni activities as exemplified by ISIS. And we have to support Sunni Arab and Kurdish forces against ISIS because I believe it would be not only a strategic mistake for the United States to put ground combat troops in as opposed to special operators, as opposed to trainers. Wait a minute. Earlier she said that we should send ground troops Yeah, in. she did. The, now she's saying no ground troops. I, don't, I, don't, I just... We, we, she said that earlier, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, so, I, yeah. I pointed that out, that yeah. she did say she that said it earlier. really quick. Yeah. And now she's saying we shouldn't? Yeah, she said ground and air forces. She flip-flopped, like, during the debate. <laughs> as opposed to special operators, as opposed to trainers, because that is exactly what ISIS wants. They've advertised that. They want American troops back in the Middle East. They want American soldiers on the ground fighting them, giving them many more targets and giving them a great recruiting opportunity. So I think it's absolutely the wrong policy for us to be even imagining that we're going to end up putting tens of thousands of American troops uh, into Syria and Iraq to fight ISIS. And we do have to form a coalition. I know how hard that is. I have formed them. I put together a coalition, including Arabs, uh, with respect to Libya, and a coalition to put sanctions onto Iran. And you have to really work hard at it. And the final thing I would say, bringing Donald Trump back into it, <laughs> if you're going to put together a coalition in the region to take on the threat of ISIS, you don't want to alienate the very countries and people you That's need true. to be yeah. part of the coalition. And so... That is That's true, but like I said, she just earlier in this debate said yeah. that we needed ground troops there. Yeah. And dump and and Trump is not proposing anything like Arab support. He's saying go just in there kill them. and kill them all and not let any of them come in here. Yeah. And take their resources yes. to pay for it all. Yeah, exactly. He he's not you know so for, as far as she's concerned, his, his I mean, his plan could be effective. It's just it's no, just it's, the inhumane wrong and the wrong thing to do. Yeah. But, it, you know, she, what, but then it could have the backlash I mean, of look how brutal the Americans are to us now. They're this evil. Well, sure. I, well, they already think that. But well, yeah, but saying. then we get eviler. <laughs> we did evil deeds. Yeah. I am going to pull the sound of her saying that earlier and this sound so right now. now. And play it back to back. And, and play it back to back. Yeah. Because that's fucking bullshit. She said it earlier and now she's flip flopping. Yeah. And just, I mean. I'll write, I'll timestamp this one's at 115, but yeah. 
Well, it'd be one. The other one was during one ten. Their second round of talking to each other. It was early on. uh, Yeah, Yeah. I think it was their second round. Yeah, I'll find it. Okay, I'm gonna find that shit now. It was. It was after the apology. Right at the end of this statement, right here. Here. (laughs) So now that we've heard her say that, (laughs) both that we should and then that we should not. That's that's fucking bullshit. I don't understand that at all. Secretary Clinton, I want to I want to follow up on that. You do support sending special operations forces there. You support what the president there. has done already. One of the lessons people draw from Vietnam and war since is that a little force can turn into a little more and a little more. President Obama certainly didn't expect to be sending 30,000 additional troops into Afghanistan the first year of his presidency. Are you prepared to run the risk of a bigger war to achieve your goals to destroy ISIS, or are you prepared to give up on those goals if it requires a larger force? Well, I just think you're asking a question with a false choice. I believe if we lead an air coalition, which we are now in the position of doing and intensify it, If we continue to build back up the Iraqi army, which has had some recent success in Ramadi, as you know, if we get back talking to the tribal sheikhs in Anbar to try to rebuild those relationships, which were very successful tribal in going will be after Al Qaeda in Iraq, <laughs> if we get the Turks to pay more attention to ISIS than they're paying to Chocolate the Kurds, if we do put together the kind of coalition with the so specific tasks that I am outlining, I think we can be successful shake. in destroying ISIS. So that's what I'm focused on, that's what I've outlined, and that's what I would do as president. Governor O'Malley, you've emphasized the need for more human intelligence on the ground. What is it our intelligence community is not doing now that needs to be done? Well, we have invested nowhere near what we should be investing in human intelligence on the ground. And what I'm talking about is not only the covert CIA uh, intelligence, I'm also talking about diplomatic intelligence. I mean, we've seen time and time again, especially in this very troubled region of nation state failures. And then we have no idea who the next generation of leaders are that are coming forward. So what I would say is not only do we need to be thinking in military terms, but we do our military a disservice when we don't greatly dial up the investment that we are making in diplomacy and human intelligence, and when we fail to dial up properly the role of sustainable development in all of this. As president, I would make the the administrator of uh, USAID an actual cabinet member. We have to act in a much more whole-of-government approach, as General Dempsey said, and I do believe, and I would disagree uh, somewhat uh, with one of my colleagues, look, this is a genocidal threat. They have now created a safe haven in the vacuum that we allowed to be partly because of our uh, uh, blunders to be created there in the areas of Syria and Iraq. We cannot allow safe havens. And as a leader of moral nations around this earth, we need to come up with new alliances and new ways to prepare for these new sorts of threats. Because Martha, this will not be the last region where nation states fail. And you've seen a little bit of this emerging in the uh, the, uh, African Union and the things that they have done to better stabilize Somalia. We need to pay attention here in Central America as well. So yeah. this is the new type of threats that we're facing, and we need to lead as a nation in confronting it and putting together new alliances and new coalitions. Well, I just, I just want to quickly Rowley. add, Martha, that you know one of the reasons why I have advocated for a no-fly zone is in order to create those safe 
refuges within Syria no. to try to protect people on the ground, both from Assad's forces, who are continuing to drop barrel bombs, and from ISIS. And of course, it has to be deconflicted with the Russians who are also flying in that space. I'm hoping that because of the very recent announcement of the agreement at the Security Council, which embodies actually an agreement that I negotiated back in Geneva in June of 2012, we're going to get a diplomatic effort in Syria to begin to try to make a transition. A no-fly zone would prevent the outflow of refugees and give us a chance to have some safe uh, spaces. Secretary Clinton, I, I'd like to go back to that if I could. ISIS doesn't have aircraft. Al-Qaeda doesn't have aircraft. So would you shoot down a Syrian military aircraft or a Russian airplane? I do not think it would come to that. We are already deconflicting airspace. But isn't that a decision you should make now? Whether? No, I don't think so. I I am advocating. If you're advocating this? I am advocating the no-fly zone both because I think it would help us on the ground to protect Syrians. I'm also advocating it because I think it gives us some leverage in our conversations with Russia. Now that Russia has joined us in the Security Council, has adopted an agreement that we hashed out a long day in Geneva uh, three years ago, now I think we can have those conversations. The no-fly zone, I would hope, would be also shared by Russia. If they will begin to turn their military attention away from going after the adversaries of Assad toward ISIS and no. put the Assad future on the political and diplomatic track where Excuse it belongs. Me, no. I want to take Russia this to Senator, I'm going to take this to Senator Sanders next because I think... In there from Russia. I mean, Russia has permission to fly in there from Iraq and Iran already, so Iraq and Iran's given them permission just because the United States has no, no fly zone. Right. They ain't going to follow that shit. Yeah. Yeah, and what, and, and what if they don't? What, yeah. if, what, if, what, if we, what if we choose to impose a no-fly zone and Russia says, yeah, yeah fuck yeah, you. Fuck you. Then you're forced to shoot them down. Well, yeah. and that's what she was asking Hillary. Yeah, Hillary's but she like, won't answer it. No, I don't think like, it'll come to that. won't happen. Like, well, yeah, it will. It's it's, a, they yeah, will. Like, I that's don't a, think that'll be a problem. That's already but what happened. if it is? What if How, it is a problem? Yeah. How it's often already, does Russia fly into our airspace? Well, it's already happened just in a few um, this month or so with it, it happens every month well i'm talking about the united states airspace yeah. up by alaska bringing their bombers over towards the, co- the coast of uh, california they do it all the time threatening our airspace to play with us test it out let's see if let's see, see what how close do. we can get see what we yeah. can get away with series of Assad toward ISIS and put the Assad future on the political and diplomatic track where Excuse it belongs. Me, I want to take this to Senator, I'm going to take this to Senator Sanders next because I think the, the crucial is coming. I have a difference of opinion uh, with Secretary Clinton on this. Our differences uh, are fairly deep on this issue. Very. We disagreed on the war in Iraq. We both listened to the information from Bush and Cheney. I voted against the war. But I think, and I say this with due respect, that I worry too much that Secretary Clinton is too much into regime change and a little bit too aggressive without knowing what the unintended consequences might be. We, yes, we could get rid of Saddam Hussein, but that destabilized the entire region. Yes, we could get rid of Gaddafi, a terrible dictator, but that created a vacuum for ISIS. Yes, we could get rid of Assad tomorrow, but that would create yeah. another political vacuum that would benefit ISIS. So I think, yeah, regime else. change is easy. Getting rid of dictators is easy. But before you do that, you've got to think about what happens the day after. And in my view, 
What we need to do is put together broad coalitions to is understand that, here, here that we're not going to have a I political so. vacuum filled by terrorists, that in fact we are going to move steadily and maybe slowly toward democratic societies. In terms of Assad, a terrible dictator. Yeah. But I think yeah. in Syria, the primary focus now must be on destroying ISIS and working over the years to get rid of Assad. That's yeah. the secondary issue. But that is exactly, that is exactly what I just said and what no, I just described. No. Yeah, but and that's important because now we have a UN Security Council that will enable us to do that. And, you know, with all due respect, Senator, you voted for regime change with respect to Libya. You joined the Senate in voting <laughs> to get rid of Gaddafi, and you asked that there be a Security Council validation of that with a resolution. All of these are very difficult issues. I know that. I've been dealing with them for a long time. And of course, we have to continue <laughs> so to do yeah. what is necessary when someone like Gaddafi, a despot with American blood on his hands, is overturned. But I'll tell you what would have happened if we had not joined with our European partners and our Arab partners to assist the people in Libya, you would be looking at Syria. Now the Libyans are turning their attention to try to dislodge ISIS from its foothold and began to try to move together to have a unified nation. Uh, I was not the Secretary Senator of Sanders, State. Senator Sanders, I was hold on not. a second, oh. please. I'm going to ask the Secretary here because there does appear to be some daylight here between enough. the policies, uh, at least in, in respect to when you take out Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. Right now? Or do you wait? Do you tackle ISIS first? You have said, Secretary Clinton, that you come to the conclusion that we have to proceed on both fronts at once. We heard from the Senator just this week that we must put aside the issue of how quickly we get rid of so Assad at least two and come together with countries including Russia and now. Iran to destroy yeah. ISIS yeah. first. Is he wrong? I think we're missing the point here. We are doing both at the same time. But that's what he's saying. We, we should put that aside for now and go out well, to ISIS. Well, I don't agree with that because we will not get the support on the ground in Syria to dislodge ISIS if the fighters there who are not associated with ISIS but whose principal goal is getting rid of Assad don't believe there is a political diplomatic channel that is ongoing. We now have that. We have the UN Security Council adopting a resolution that lays out a transition path. It's very important we operate on both at the same time. And let me just say a word about coalition building because I've heard Senator Sanders say this. I know how hard it is to build coalitions. I think it would be a grave mistake to ask for any more Iranian troops inside <laughs> Syria. Mad. That is like asking the arsonists to come and pour more gas on the fire. The Iranians getting more of a presence in Syria, linking with Hezbollah, their proxy in Lebanon, would threaten Israel and would make it Who more cares? difficult for us to move on a path to have a transition so that at some point would deal with Assad's future. I said, I said, no problem all of this is no. fucking Israel. Yeah, I agree yeah. with Bernie. Get rid of ISIS, then worry about Assad. Yeah. Right? If you worry I, about Assad first, ISIS is going to grow. Then when you take Assad out, well, ISIS be like, well, fuck, that region's oh, now cool. in turmoil. Now, Let's now, go fuck now that place up, have, too. Now we have the yeah, whole we have of Syria. Opening. We got our opening. Let's we go fuck it up. All of Iraq and yeah. all of Syria. Yeah. And fucking, <laughs> who cares about Israel? I'm so fucking sick of that. They're the problem with all of this shit is... The, is well, everybody wants the Holy Land back. Israel doesn't have oil. No, Holy no, Land. Holy oh, land. the Holy yeah. Land. Oh. Everybody it could wants be to the Oily Land. The, yeah, the, everybody uh, wants that's to what I thought you said. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, take up. Yeah, she says I mean, we have to proceed but, on both fronts at once. Forcing a group that's hated worldwide into that region and saying they get it. Yeah, and we're going to make sure they prote- them protect them and make sure they keep it. That's what's caused all of this problem. And to 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 keep catering to fucking Netanyahu and his, the rest of his yahoos is just driving me crazy, man. <laughs> Netanyahu's and the yeah, all the Yahoo! all the Netanyahu's. <laughs> All of his fucking right. Guys. This is a complicated issue. I don't think anyone has a magical solution, but this is what I do believe. Yes, of yeah, course, absolutely. Assad is a terrible dictator. Yeah. But I think we have got to get our foreign policies and our priorities right. The immediate, it is not Assad who is attacking the United States, it is ISIS. And ISIS yeah. is attacking France and yeah. attacking Russian airliners. The major priority right now in terms of our foreign and military policy should be the destruction of ISIS. Yep. And I think yep. and I think we bring together that broad coalition, including Russia, to help us destroy ISIS and work on a timetable to get rid of Assad, hopefully through democratic elections. First priority, destroy ISIS. Senator David, Sanders, thank you. for a different generation's perspective on this? <laughs> Governor Malley? During the Cold War. Uh, <laughs> that was yeah. actually pretty awesome. Rather than these older people yeah. who are on stage, I'm a bit younger. He's he's not he's, that much different in age from Clinton, is he? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. He can't be that much different. He's not a whole generation removed from I mean, her anyway. He's, he's going to talk about the Cold War here, so... <laughs> No, the Cold generation. <laughs> Ten years? First priority, yeah. destroy ISIS. Senator David, Sanders, thank you. for a different generation's perspective on this? <laughs> Governor O'Malley? During the Cold Sanders War. Smiled. Hillary did not. During- <laughs> did you hear the crowd? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> different generation's perspective on this? <laughs> Governor O'Malley? During the Cold War. <laughs> during the Cold War, we got into a bad habit of always looking to see who was wearing the jersey of the communists and who was wearing the U.S. jersey. We got into a bad habit of creating big bureaucracies, old methodologies to undermine regimes that were not friendly to the United States. Look what we did in Iran with Mossadegh and look at the results that we're still dealing with because of that. I would suggest to you that we need to leave the Cold War behind us and we need to put together new alliances and new approaches to dealing with this and we need to restrain ourselves. I mean, I know Secretary Clinton was gleeful when Gaddafi was torn apart. And the world, uh, uh, no doubt, is a better place without him. But look, we didn't know what was happening next and we fell into the same trap with Assad, saying, as if it's our job to say Assad must go. We have a role to play in this world, but we need to leave the Cold War and that sort of antiquated... Look how pissed off Clinton is. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> she looks genuinely pissed off at the things that he's saying. Yeah, right and now. I think he's making good points. Yeah. ...in this world, but we need to leave the Cold War and that sort of antiquated but thinking you, behind you criticized You criticized Secretary Clinton for what came next. What's your proposal for what comes after Assad? You didn't I require that, that we of need her. to focus <laughs> on destroying ISIL. That is the clear and present danger. And I believe that we can springboard off of this new UN resolution. And we should create a Secretary Clinton indicated, and I agree with that, that there should be a political process. But we shouldn't be the ones declaring 
that Assad must go? Where did it ever say in the Constitution? Where is it written that it's the job of the United States of America or its Secretary of State to determine when dictators have to go? We have a role to play in this world, but it is not the world, the the role of traveling the world looking for new monsters to destroy. He's hard on everybody. He's been making all kinds of... uh, uh, comments. Um, I think it's fair to say uh, Assad has killed, oh. by last count, about 250,000 Syrians. The reason we are in the mess we're in, that ISIS has the territory it has, is because of Assad. I advocated arming the moderate opposition back in the day when I was still Secretary of State because I worried we would end up exactly where we are now. And so when we look at these complex problems, I wish it could be either or. I wish we could say, yes, let's go destroy ISIS and let's let Assad continue to destroy Syria, which creates more terrorists, more extremists, by the minute. No, we now finally are where we need to be. We have a strategy and a commitment to go after ISIS, which is a danger to us as well as the region. And we finally have a UN Security Council resolution bringing the world together to go after a political transition in Syria. That was one of the big talking points that I saw on the Sunday news programs was was her saying that we are where we need to be now. Yeah. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. No. We are where we need to be now with Assad still in power, with ISIS, ISIS taking over, taking over the region. How is that where we are? How is we, it that we are where we need to be yeah, now? We still have tensions with Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was taking her to task for that comment. I'm not really sure what she has said this or any other debate in at all. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, I, I mean, I, I get a vague idea about where she stands, but I, it's not entirely clear. Well, especially when I she flip flops on things like putting ground. Troops yeah. On, I think she's putting troops on the I, I mean, I think, I think she's as clear as Lincoln Chafee. <laughs> I think those two are Hillary and Lincoln. Well, Chafee are it was similar. my first day. My dad <laughs> yeah. just died. I... Everybody else <laughs> is pretty straightforward about what they about what they think needs to happen. Yeah, but I mean, the it's council crazy. resolution bringing the world together to go after a political can, transition can in Syria. If the United States does not lead, there is not another leader. There is can a I vacuum, and we have to lead if I, we're I really, going to be successful. Senator Saunders, please go ahead. Senator Saunders? Yeah, I think I've heard him say that a couple times. Bernie Saunders. Senator Saunders, the last word on this. Yeah, the United States must lead, but the United States is not the policeman of the world. The United States must not be involved in perpetual warfare in the Middle East. The United States, at the same time, cannot successfully fight Assad and ISIS. ISIS now is the major priority. Let's get rid of Assad later. Let's have a democratic Syria. But the first task is to bring countries together to destroy ISIS. Senator Sanders, thank you. When we come back here tonight, the other major issues of this election, jobs, the economy, health care, which candidates will make the best case for the middle class as our coverage of the Democratic debate here in New Hampshire continues right after this. Yeah, they're they're definitely doing a lot fewer commercial breaks during these debates. Well, the the Republican debate only had like two or three commercial breaks the entire time. Well, Trump probably just said, he, he he has 20 million cover all the commercials let You're me right. talk more <laughs> give me let me talk about Bullshit. another 20 minutes more than everybody else because i bought the time and then next time you pay me seven million no well, no 
<laughs> we'll yeah. take a quick break here while we're having them do their break as well. All right. We'll be right back. Or are we back? No, we're not back. Okay, okay we'll be back. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is X. And I'm Kyle. And I'm Felicia. We're the Utah Outcasts. Three out, unashamed, and active atheists living in Utah. And we are personally inviting you to let us love your ears each and every week. As we take the news, current events, and pop culture and give it a little twist. A love twist with consent. And we'll be joined each week by a special guest to tell us what makes them an outcast like us. Come find us. The Utah Outcasts. On PodHell.com, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And on UtahOutcast.com. We finally bought that domain off the kids handing out mixtapes in the mall. Come be an outcast with us. Take care of yourselves out there. Bonne nuit. And you're welcome. And we're back. <laughs> Live from St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. Here again so are David Bernie Saunders and Martha Bernie Saunders. Welcome back tonight. As you can see, we have a packed audience here in New Hampshire, and we're going to continue. We've already had a spirited conversation here at the top of the broadcast about ISIS, about the concerns of terror here on the home front. And as we await Secretary Clinton backstage here, we're going to begin yeah. on the economy. We want to turn to the American jobs, wages, uh, and raises in this country. And do we believe Secretary Clinton will be coming around the corner any yeah. minute? But in the meantime, we want to <laughs> start with this opening break. number. And She's, Senator Sanders... She's out pulling up their spank. Turn to the American jobs, wages, uh, and raises in this country. And do we believe Secretary Clinton will be coming around the... She's like, fuck it, I'm out. You guys are being dicks. This is when she takes that shit on the stage. <laughs> this eye-opening number. And Senator Sanders, this question goes to you first anyway. In 1995, the median American household income was $52,600 in today's money. This year, it's 53600 That's 20 more years on the job with just a 2% raise. In a similar time frame, raises for CEOs up more than 200%. Claps as Hillary I comes know. strolling in from the bathroom. Fashionably late. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to continue here, and Secretary, you'll get a chance on this too. But as I pointed out, the CEO pay up 200% of that time for that family up just 2%. 200% increase compared to 2%, 2% for regular working families. Yeah, it's been going like that for a long time. It's fucking ridiculous. It is. Over yeah. 20 years, 200% to 2%. Yep. Said you would raise the minimum wage. But Senator Sanders, what else? Speak to that yeah, household tonight. 20 years, no. just a yeah. 2% raise. How as president would you get them a raise right away? First of all, we recognized that we have a rigged economy, as you've indicated. Yep. Middle class in this country for the last 40 years <clears> has <throat> been disappearing. Are we better off today than we were when Bush left office? Absolutely. But as you've indicated, <laughs> nice. for nice. millions of American workers, people in New Hampshire, all over America, they're working longer hours for low wages, deeply worried about their kids. So what do we do? First statement we make is we tell the billionaire class they cannot have it all for a start. Yeah. They're yes. going to start paying yeah. their fair share of taxes. Second of all, we do is you raise the minimum wage to a living wage, 15 bucks an hour over the next several years. Okay. Next just, thing we sorry, do I'm not going to take long on this, but I just think, I think it should absolutely be a responsibility of employers to pay their their employees living wages. Yeah, which, absolutely. Yeah, that's with, 
That's with why benefits. you. That's why you have employees. Yeah. That's why people fucking work for you is to be able to live a normal fucking life. Right. But unless but, you but, force them to, they won't. I know exactly right. I know they won't. But I'm saying I think it's a absolutely a moral and ethical responsibility of employers to do that. And as long as they won't do it, the government needs to say, "Fuck you." Yes, you fucking will. Yeah. If you because want to this, do business here this, in the United States, yeah. these are some of the rules that you need to live. Yeah, by. because these people are trying to have families just like you, motherfucker. And if you're not going to pay them what they're due, and you're just going to, and you're going to pocket all of their all of the money they make you, then you can fuck right off. Yeah, pretty that, much. That needs to be a federal minimum standard, and I think it should be way higher than what they're proposing. It should be like twenty. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, and it should it should it should go up with inflation. It should it should it should. Parallel, That's why it, it should was parallel inflation. Then. Yeah, and and these employers f- so often fail to f- fail to see that. Without their employees and without the people that work for them, they would not be in the position that they are oh, no. that they're in, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. without the people working under them, they would have fucking nothing. Well, they, you know, they. I built my company from nothing. Yeah, on the backs of your the, fucking exactly, employees. exactly. Yeah, I did it from the ground up. Pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Uh, but they throw. They, I run the whole assembly line by myself. I'm a fucking right, superhuman. Yeah. Right, but they, I they built throw a prototype few, and everything. A yeah. few Christmas bonuses and some company parties their way, and they think that that's that makes it all worth it. You know. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, you have you have employees at Walmart who work full time and are still making below poverty wages. Yeah. So they're still working full time and having a night job and having a night job and are on the dole from the government because they're not making enough yeah. through employment. Right, and Walmart's one of the worst. Yeah, one of the worst offenders. Yeah, it. Yeah, it, women. Work- I, I just, it may, They're yeah. going to start paying their fair share of taxes. Second of all, we do. And taxes, you raise the minimum wage thing. to a living wage, 15 bucks an hour over the next several At years. Least. Next thing we do, pay equity for women workers. Women should not be making 79 cents on the dollar compared to men. No, it's such bullshit. We, we only keep 21 cents. Real unemployment. Official unemployment, 5%. <laughs> real unemployment, 10%. Youth unemployment off the charts. We rebuild our crumbling infrastructure, our roads, our bridges, our rail system. We create 13 million jobs with a trillion dollar investment. Furthermore, it's not just our it's not just our roads and rails and bridges. It's everything. Our, it's, it's our sewers. It's our it's our mm-hmm. uh, piping. You know, you know what solve all homes. this? Solar fucking roadways. <laughs> solar roadways. No, I mean, it, it's, it's our sewer systems. They got systems. sewer systems built into solar roadways. They got your power <laughs> grid built into your solar roadways. They, it, it is your power system. Solar roadways. <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, I mean, it, it includes our, our sewage systems. It includes piping clean drinking water to yeah. homes. Uh, it includes it includes the power grid. It includes mm-hmm. what everybody these days needs is a robust and and sustainable and and broadband internet access. I mean, yeah. uh, the United States yeah. is trailing fucking I a know. ton of other com- uh, a, a ton of other countries in access to high speed internet. It's it's ridiculous. We we lead the world in innovation. Well, I don't even know that we lead the world in innovation yeah, no, these days. I mean, not. you know, I think uh, Japan, Japan would have and Korea have, have surpassed us on a lot of, on a lot of those fronts. But we used to be the innovators. We used to be the country that led in all of these things, yeah. and we're not anymore. And it's yep. because we have politicians who won't invest in the infrastructure that we need in order to make those things happen. Rape it's like people don't ads. realize that all of our roadways and bridges were previously roadways. built by a democratic socialist. 
Yeah. <laughs> You've got the Army Corps of Engineers going yeah. out there and, and building all of these I things. know. Oh, and that Democratic Socialist also pulled us out of the Great fucking Depression. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't. <laughs> Liar. Reagan did it. Reagan did it. <laughs> Reagan did it when he made the when he made the Russians tear the wall down and that made us all better. <laughs> the, wait, that was eighty eight? Yeah, and uh ninety. No, it was eight it was or was it eighty nine? Maybe 89. I think it was 1990. The, we the, can go ask David Hasselhoff. He's saying at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> the Berlin Wall? Yeah, while it was being torn down, he was on a crane above it at their turn to the wall oh, down, singing he? to both sides of Germany. Singing? Oh, yeah, it's so stupid. I think it was 90. The Hoff. <laughs> I think you're wrong. I'm going to Google. Okay. It is imperative that we have the best educated workforce in the world. That is why I'm going to have a tax on Wall Street speculation to make certain that public colleges and universities in America are tuition free. Senator Sanders, yeah. thank you. And can, Governor sorry, Manley, what would you propose you that would be? That, that bullshit about well, you know, we all used to have to work for our education. People that have never had it in the first place. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, this generation just wants everything for free. Well, you know, the, the but the truth is a four-year degree tuition-free is equivalent to a high school diploma, which is not entirely free, but for the most part free. Uh, it's equivalent to what that was 10 or 20 years ago anyway. So to keep up with inflation, a bachelor's degree should be tuition-free if if we have any hope of keeping up. Yeah. Well, and the other part of that is, you know, not just college tuition, but but learning learning things like a trade learning learning construction i mean you still need yeah. those people you yeah, still sure. need well of course you still need to to be able to train people to implement the infrastructure improvements that you want to see mm-hmm. accomplished right 89 was it 89 okay the official deconstruction started in 1990 but when they did had the wall broken down by the citizens breaking through the wall that was in 1989 oh okay so gorbachev i'll, I'll tear this wall, wall down. down i'll consider us both right on that one <laughs> <laughs> I abstained, and so I won either way. Uh, I, yeah. play, I played a Clinton on you. <laughs> All right, you get the middle. I'm gonna back this up just a bit. These in America are tuition free. Senator Sanders, thank you. Governor Manley, what would you propose that would be different? How would you get the middle class a raise and without waiting another 20 years for another 2%? Look, these are the things that we did in my own state through the recession. We actually uh, we actually passed a living wage. We raised the minimum wage. Uh, we actually raised to the highest goals of any state in the nation, our minority and women participation goals, because we understood that the way you reinvigorate and make fair market American capitalism work is to make the choices and the investments that include more people more fully in the economic success of your state. All through the recession, we defended the highest median income in America and the second highest median income for African American families. How? By actually doing more for education. We increased education funding by 37%. We were the only state in America that went four years in a row without a pennies increase to college tuition. We invested more in our infrastructure and we squared our shoulders to the great business opportunity of this era 
and that is moving our economy to a 100% clean electric energy future. We created 2,000 new jobs solar in, in the solar industry, <laughs> and we fought every single day to adopt more inclusive economic practices. Solar so fucking David, roadways. The conclusion is of coming. all of those things is this. They weren't hopes. They weren't dreams. They weren't uh, uh, solar freaking roadways. We actually took actions to do these things. And as president, I have put forward 15 strategic goals that will make wages go up again for all American families. Uh, Universal national service is an option for every kid in America to cut youth unemployment. And I am the only candidate on this stage to put forward a new agenda for America's cities so we can employ more people in the hearts of great American cities and get them back to work. Governor, thank you. Secretary Clinton. He's a good looking fellow. The thirty-seven percent increase in education spending—that's yeah—that's pretty awesome. I don't, I don't yeah, know if I'll that's have, accurate. I know. Yeah, I I'm, I'm skeptical. Facts. That seems that seems like a lot. I'm skeptical. Now, is that for the all sectors or public school system, private school system, charter school? I system? imagine it's public school system. Yeah, it would, that, be, it would be public. That seems like a lot. I mean, that that does. And Maryland, yeah. I guess they had a long way to go. I I don't know. I, I'm skeptical, but maybe they were at the bottom of the. No, <laughs> no. You get the entire South. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're at, they're consecutively every year they're at the bottom. Thirty-seven percent just seems like a like a that's, that's awfully a large. Number. Thirty-seven yeah. does seem like it does seem high. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested. To Talking see. about the median American household getting a two percent raise over the last twenty years, that CEO pay in that same time frame has gone up two hundred percent. So, for those families watching tonight, how do you get them a raise if you're president? Well, I've been talking to a lot of these families, and this is uh, such an outrage, both because it's bad for our economy. We're a 70% consumption economy. People need to feel optimistic and confident. They need to believe that they're hard. 70% consumption economy. So, I mean, just just the basics of that, you should realize that if you give people more, they buy more. Yeah. Yeah. If you give money, more money to the people at the bottom end of the spectrum, they're going to go and spend that. No, trickle down. Yeah. Well, it's exactly why the trickle down economy put us into a second recession. Right. Let's give more money to the people who don't need it so they can shove it in offshore offshore accounts that have nothing to do with the U.S. economy, avoid paying taxes altogether, and sit on those accounts for years and decades and generations. And more money than they could ever possibly spend. Than they could ever use. Yeah. Yeah. So they sit on it for generate. They're just, they're just like churches hoarding it away so nobody else can ever fucking use it or circulate it. Yeah. And and we've seen, I mean, We've seen by the numbers tonight how trickle down economics yep, works. Yep. You get a two hundred percent increase in in CEO pay yep, and a two percent increase in regular worker pay. Yeah, tax churches, tax the NFL, close loopholes, cut the military. We're fine. I yeah. guarantee you, that's so much more money than we've ever had in surplus. That doesn't before. even amount to a trickle. No, that's, it's it's like that faucet got shut and it like it went in reverse. Yeah, that's that's just random condensation that you're licking off of the fucking money dam. <laughs> oh, that dental dam. <laughs> but still. And consumption economy. People need to feel optimistic and confident. They need to believe that their hard work is going to be rewarded. And it's bad for our democracy. Uh, it's absolutely the case that if people feel that the game is rigged, that has consequences. I think it's great standing up here with the senator and the governor talking about these issues because you're not going to hear anything like this from any of the Republicans who are running for yeah, president. Divert, divert, they don't divert. want to raise but the minimum wage. Right, they yes. don't want 
to do anything but to think increase her income. The center this one, of my going economic policy like yeah. is raising income because people yeah. haven't been able to get ahead. And the cost of everything from college tuition to prescription drugs has it's, gone up. It's a quick of course, applause, we have to raise the minimum wage. Of course, we have to do more to incentivize profit sharing, like we see with Market Especially Basket right building. here in New Hampshire and New England, where all of the employees get a chance to share in the profits. And we've got to do more Trump doesn't want to share its profits. Work. That means pass the Paycheck Fairness Act so we have transparency about how much people are making. That's the way to get women's wages up, and that's good well, for them yeah. and good for their families and good for our communities. And there is a lot we can do in college affordability. I have debt-free tuition plans, free community college plans, getting student debt down. I also am very uh, committed to getting the price of drugs down, and there's a lot. You can go to my website, HillaryClinton.com, and read about it. But Hillary I guess said, the final weed. thing that, that I would say <laughs> is, this is the kind of debate we need to take to the Republicans in the fall. Secretary, this thank you. This is the election we're gonna, issue we're gonna, they have to respond to. And we're going to talk about college education in a moment. But Secretary Clinton, I did want to ask you, the last time you... I think oh. she means to which they need to respond. Yeah. Isn't this more <laughs> like on summer? cover with the headline, Business yeah. Loves Hillary, pointing out your support from many CEOs in corporate America. I'm curious, eight years later, should corporate America love Hillary Clinton? Everybody should. <laughs> she was quick on that one. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of reminds me of my grandma. Everybody should love me. <laughs> She, she reminds me of my mom. I'm awesome. <laughs> Said, I want to be the president for the struggling, the striving, and the successful. I want to make sure the wealthy pay their fair share, which they have not been doing. I want the Buffett rule to be in effect, <laughs> oh, where millionaires Bernie. have to pay 30% right. tax rates instead of 10% to nothing in some cases. I want to make sure we rein yeah. in the excessive use of political power to feather the nest and support uh, the super wealthy. But I also want to create jobs, and I want to be a partner with the private sector. I'm particularly keen on creating jobs in small business. My dad was a small businessman, a really small business. I want to do more to help incentivize and create more small business. So it's just one word, but she said that she wants to be... You know, she wants to, she wants to, she wants to be the candidate for the big businesses and, and the super wealthy. And then she said, but. Yeah. Yeah. But I also want to do these things. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's one, it's one word. It's one word. It's a small word. No, but, I know. But <laughs> I don't know why she would have to say, I want to do this, but I also want to create jobs. That, that builds an impression. It does. And it yeah. promotes a narrative that, that the super wealthy are the ones who are responsible for creating more jobs, and yep. they're not. Yep. I, they are not the ones who are responsible yep. think, for building more jobs. Yep. I'm with you on that. I, I heard that too, and I was, and I was like, I, I was going to say, you, could, you can do both. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you demand do, creates you, more jobs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's a big, small word. Yeah. yeah. In that, in that sense. Oh, if, if people who are in the private sector know what I stand for, it's what I fought for as a senator, it's what I will do as president, and they want to be part of once again building our economy so it works for everybody, 
More power to them because they are the kind of business leaders who understand that if we don't get the American economy moving and growing, we're not going to recognize our country and we're not going to give our kids the same opportunities that we had. Secretary, thank you. Senator Sanders, I, I want to stay on this and ask you how big a role does corporate America play in a healthy economy and will corporate America love a President Sanders? No, I think they won't. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. See, I love it. No, no, I, I don't think they will. I want to hear that again. Uh, he's he's so unequivocal. He he just does never hesitate. He knows yeah. exactly what it is. Bernie don't give a fuck. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> They're gonna steal the Sanders. I love no, it. I think they won't. <laughs> Back to Sanders, I, I want to stay on this and uh, ask you, it. how big a role does corporate America play in a healthy economy? And will corporate America love a President Sanders? No, I think they won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hillary and I have a difference. Uh, <laughs> CEO Even she's laughing at it. may like Hillary. <laughs> they ain't going to like me. And Wall Street is going to like me even less. <laughs> and the reason for that... <laughs> is we've got to deal with the elephant in the room, which is the greed, recklessness, and illegal behavior on Wall Street. Yep. When you have six financial institutions in this country that issue two-thirds of the credit cards and one-third of the mortgages, yep. when three out of four of them are larger today than when we bailed them out because they yep. are too big to fail. We've got yep. to reestablish Glass-Steagall. Yep. We have got to break the large financial institutions yep. up. Yep. All so of I that. don't think all of that. Having said that, and then some. Oh my yes. I don't yes. think I'm going to get a whole lot of campaign contributions from Wall Street. No, of course. I don't have a super PAC. I don't want campaign contributions from corporate America. Right. And let me be clear. I contributed to the Bernie Sanders. There are some great corporations creating jobs and trying nice. to do the right thing. In my view, and I say this very seriously, the greed of the billionaire class. The greed of Wall Street is destroying this economy and is destroying the lives of millions of Americans. We need an economy that works for the middle class, not just a handful of billionaires. And I will fight and lead to make that happen. Senator, thank you. Yeah, I want to take this question. Yeah. 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 Let me just ask you, because it is an important question. How important a role do you think corporate, corporate America plays in a healthy economy here in the U.S.? Look, I look at our economy, and it's an ecosystem. And the fact of the yeah. matter is that the more fully people participate, the more our workers earn, the more they will spend, the more our economy will grow. Yep. Yep. Most heads of businesses, large, medium, and small, understand that. But there is a better way forward. Be in, uh, than either of those offered by my two uh, opponents here on I this stage. Interested. Uh, we're not going to fix what ails our economy. We're not going to make wages go up for everyone by either... It's interesting that, that Sanders and Clinton have both referred to everybody else as colleagues... And O'Malley calls them opponents. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if yeah. you guys I didn't even pick up that, on that. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, they both both Clinton and Sanders have said colleagues. Yeah. My colleagues here on stage, and O'Malley said my opponents. opponents. He he did use colleagues either earlier. The, yeah. But okay. Inter uh, yeah, opponents is. here on this stage. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to fix what ails our economy. We're not going to make wages go up for everyone by either trying to replace American capitalism with socialism, which, by the way, the rest of the world is moving away from, nor will we fix it by submitting to sort of Wall Street-directed 
crony capitalism. And for my part, I have demonstrated the ability to have the backbone to take on Wall Street in ways that Secretary Clinton never, ever has. In fact, in the last debate, very shamefully, she tried to hide her cozy relationship with Wall Street big banks by invoking the attacks of 9-11. Taking a tour. I believe that the way forward for our country is to actually reinvigorate our antitrust department with the directive to promote fair competition. There's mergers that are happening in every aspect of our country that is bad for competition. It's bad for, uh, uh, for <clears throat> upward mobility of wages. And the worst type of concentration, Secretary Clinton, is the concentration Directly of the big banks. I love how he does that. The he turns right to them. Yep. That you went to and spoke to and told them, oh, you weren't responsible for the crash, not by a long shot. And that's why today you still cannot support, as I do, breaking up the big banks and making sure that we pass a modern-day Glass-Steagall like we had in late 1999 before it was repealed and led to the crash where so many millions of families lost their jobs and their homes and I was on the front lines of that looking into the eyes of my neighbor. He definitely knows when to turn to the audience and when to turn to that. Nicely done. He pissed her off. Yeah, she's like... pissed her off bad. She's like, okay, motherfucker. Here we go. Gloves are off. Before it was repealed and led to the crash where so many millions of families lost their jobs and their homes, and I was on the front lines of that, looking into the eyes well, of my neighbor. Governor O'Malley, okay. thank you. Okay. <laughs> let me just ask you. Let me respond. He did. He did. He did, he did he, Secretary Clinton, let me just, been, let me just ask you. David, so let, I, let me respond very quickly. Number one. And in particular. No, number one, there are currently... Two hedge fund billionaires running ads against me here in New Hampshire. Oh, they the started Cokes. in Iowa. Now, you'd have to yeah, ask yourself, brothers. why are they running ads against <laughs> me? And the answer is because they know I will go right after them, that I will not let their agenda... No, it's because you're the front runner. Not, yeah. because the, they, not because they necessarily know you will go after them. It's because you're the front runner. Come on, Hillary. Yeah. And of course, they're pro-Republican. Uh, yeah. Now, you'd have to ask yourself, why are they running ads against me? And the answer is because they know I will go right after them, that I will not let their agenda be America's agenda. Secondly, I think it's important to point out that about 3% of my uh, donations come from people in the finance and investment world. You can go to opensecrets.org and uh, check that. To chime I in. have more donations from students and teachers than I do from people associated with uh, Bernie has with the teacher's yes. union behind Number three, him. Yeah. And let me say this. When Governor O'Malley was heading the Democratic Governors Association, he had no trouble at all going to Wall Street to raise money to run campaigns for <laughs> oh. Democratic governors. And he also had no trouble appointing an investment banker to be in Incoming. charge of his <laughs> Consumer Protection Bureau when he was governor. So, you know, again, the difference between us and the Republicans is night and day. And yeah. there is only one person on this stage who voted to take away authority from the SEC and the Commodities Future Trading Commission uh, that they could no longer regulate what are called swaps and derivatives, which actually contributed to the collapse of Lehman Brothers, and that was Senator Sanders. So if we're going to be talking like this, we can, and maybe we can score some political points, but the fact is, every one of us stands for the kind of economy that will work better for every American, and if that means taking on Wall Street, I have a plan that is tough and 
comprehensive but and praised by a lot of folks who say it she goes just further gave Bernie, like, than what both Senator Sanders are, and kudos. I think Bernie was raising hand going, but nope, that was me. Oh, wait, she said me. My name was invoked. <laughs> invocation, let me say a few words. Uh, Secretary Clinton. He's so Jewish. I don't have a super I don't get any money from Wall Street. You have gotten a whole lot of money over the years from Wall Street. But most importantly, when you look at what happened in the 1990s, Go to berniesanders.com. I'll advertise my website as well. And what you'll find is that I led, helped lead the effort as a member of the House Financial Committee against Alan Greenspan, against a guy named Bill Clinton, maybe you know him, maybe you don't, against maybe the Republican leadership, who all thought it would be a great nodded. idea to merge investor banks and commercial banks and large insurance companies. What a brilliant idea that would be. Go to YouTube, find out what I said to Greenspan. At the end of the oh, day, yeah. if Teddy Roosevelt were alive today, and the governor makes a good point about trade, anti trade, anti-monopoly activities. Wall Street today has too much political power. It has too much economic power to get deregulated. Listen to this. They spent $5 billion in lobbying and campaign contributions over a 10-year period. Senator Sanders. Wall Street is a threat to the economy. They've got to be broken up. Thank you, Senator. And we're going Agreed. to move on to health care. Secretary Clinton, the Department of Health and Human Services says more than 17 million Americans who were not insured now have health coverage because of Obamacare. But for Americans who already big number. had yeah. health insurance, the cost has gone up 27% in the last five years, while deductibles are up 67%. In the last five years, and the Affordable Care Act has only been the last one year? And, and how, much, how much did it go up prior to my, the Affordable Care Act going My insurance has gone up about... $20 a month every year I've had it. Yeah, mine has gone up since since the ACA passed, otherwise known as Obamacare. Yeah. Mine has gone up the a, same a, amount. a very small a small a very small Actually, amount per year where prior to Obamacare, it was fucking leaps and bounds. Yeah. The only thing that changed with my health care this year was the pricing for medications. Like the she pricing said, for 6 months. Like and, she said, what was it 27% over the last 5 years? Yeah. And comparatively speaking, it was closer to thirty percent year after year. year. I mean, we're we're talking about a considerable reduction in the yeah. amount that it has increased year over year. Then many Americans can manage. What's broken in Obamacare that needs to be fixed right now, and what would you do to fix it? Well, I would certainly build on the successes of the Affordable Care Act and work to fix some of the glitches that you just referenced. Uh, number one, we do have more people who have access to health care. We have ended the terrible situation that people with pre-existing conditions were faced with where they couldn't yeah. find 
at any affordable price health care. Women are not charged more than men any longer for our health insurance. And we keep young people on our policies until they turn 26. Those are all really positive developments. Yay! But out-of-pocket costs have gone up too much, and prescription drug costs have gone through the roof. And so what I have proposed, number one, is a $5,000 tax credit to help people who have very large out-of-pocket costs be able to afford those. Number two... Five thousand? Well, and that's a, that's a band aid. That's yeah, yeah, the yeah, end of the is. year thing. You thought you're going to do it during the year. Like you got to survive. Yeah. Well, and like I said, it's a band aid. Yeah. It doesn't fix the underlying problems. No. It just says, yeah. "Oh, well, here's something to help alleviate the pain yeah. of this yeah, temporarily." I mean, yeah. you, you you have to, you and have let's to, hope that you know the five thousand dollars is good forever. Like that. How is that going to fix anything? It doesn't fix anything. It's a band aid. It's a temporary solution. Yeah, I think I think at, at some point you have to you have to put legal limits on uh, medical profit margins. Yeah, and and then um, you also have to raise the minimum wage significantly so that people can actually afford yeah. the Affordable Care Act, right? Which is a big thing. And then and I think. Maybe lighten, maybe lighten the penalties on individual payers and increase the penalties on employee employer. How about uh, this? Providing medical care, single payer system done. Well, yeah, I was going to say why. Why do we even have to have insurance companies in the first place? We, why do I have to? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys know that my knee has been fucked yeah, up, right? Yeah, and I've been waiting yeah. to try to get in to see the doctor. I finally got in to see the doctor and. He did a lot more stuff than the than the initial doctor that I went to see, mm-hmm. and and determined you know before we put you under and I just start probing around in your knee to <laughs> yeah. see what the, to see if there's a problem. Yeah. yeah, how about we figure out what the problem is first, like right, a cat right, scan right. or and then go in and try to fix the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so because yeah. it's the end of the year, well, not just because it's the end of the year. So my doctor had to talk to my insurance company to say, you know. Th- I think there's there's obviously a problem. I want right. to see what the problem is before I put this guy out yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. under the knife. I want to see what the problem is so I know what to fix. Yeah. He had to talk to my insurance company yeah. to make sure yeah. that they would pay to let him see what he right. needs to know to right. fix right. my right. fucking yeah. knee. Right, right. Why does the insurance company have any fucking say in that at all? Yeah, Because yeah. they got to pay for it. Why doesn't the insurance company just go, oh, the doctor says we need this. Okay, here. Yeah. Right, because yeah. they're in it for profit. The doctor yeah. who knows what the fuck he's doing yeah. Yeah. and yep. what needs to happen in order to provide the care <laughs> that I need, why does he have to go begging to the fucking insurance company yeah. Your, your health to is make of sure no that, interest to yeah, that. to make to sure that. that I can get no. the care that I need. No, it's profits. Yeah. Vaccines. And, and because it's the end of the year, I've already met my deductible for the year. And uh, so the insurance company fucking drags their feet, stalls oh, out yeah, for yeah. an entire fucking week. Of course. To tell my doctor, yeah, it's okay to send this guy in for an MRI. So I yeah, finally yeah. get the approval today from the insurance company calling my doctor back and going, yeah, okay, you can give him... You know, this bit of care that he needs to find out what the fucking problem yeah. is. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I have to schedule it. I can't even get in for my MRI until the January 30th. 1st. No, till the 30th <laughs> to get my MRI. Yeah. And so then I have to go in for the MRI. They do that. And then the doctor has to get those results back and then schedule surgery, which won't be until the next, next year, year rolls around, at which time oh, I'll have to pay calendar. my deductible again. Oh, yeah. That's fucking bullshit. It's, it is. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah. My doctor should have been able to say, you need an MRI so that I know what the problem is. 
let's get it scheduled. Have you go in there, you know, the next day, two days, three days from now. Right. We'll find out what it is. I'll get the results back. We'll schedule surgery before the end of the fucking year. Right. In the meantime, I'm in fucking pain yeah. because of my knee, and the yep. insurance company doesn't give a fuck no, about that. All they care about are their fucking profits. Well, and they also don't give a shit about the fact that your doctor may be sitting there thinking, I've got a career that I've spent, you know, who knows how many hours studying for and working hard for and all this. And I have absolutely no control in saying this patient absolutely needs surgery within the next two months, if that's the case. And the insurance company will say, fuck it, 16 months. (laughs) And the doctor can't say shit about it. Yeah. And that's why it should be a single pair nonprofit driven system. Nonprofit, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. This is the problem. It's I mean, sickening that we have a middleman making profits off of the health yeah. of the people that yep. need these. It that, is the that only way you care. can get it. Yeah, yeah. We have a nation full of Martin Shkreli's. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's infuriating that I have to wait for approval from somebody who's not my fucking doctor. Yeah. To tell my doctor that, yeah, it's okay to treat this guy. Because I thought the way the system was originally going to be set up was a single-payer system. That was the hope. That, that was, the, yeah, the intentions. And the Republicans are like, well, fuck that. We can't have that. That destroys yeah. this kind of thing. It's like, well, no, that that thing right there is what's making it the fucking problem. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem the right there. The insurance companies drive up, yeah. artificially drive yeah. up the cost of health care here. They because are they, the yeah. problem. Because they have to get their money yep. instead of it going directly to the provi- to yeah. the healthcare provider. Yep. I saw a meme today, and it had the price of a hip replacement for the U.S. and Spain, and it said basically... For the price of a hip replacement in the U.S., you could fly to Spain, live there for six months, learn to speak oh, Spanish, yeah. learn to sail, break your hip, have your hip replaced in Spain, and still save money. Yeah. And that's fucking ridiculous. They said it was $40,000 in the U.S., and it was $7,000 in Spain God. for a hip replacement. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't understand why the insurance... <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why insurance companies are a thing. Well, the thing is, you have to assume that... It's a post-World War II thing. You yeah. still have to assume that somebody in Spain is making money off the seven grand. So oh, yeah. if, you, if, you're spent, if, if your cost is five grand and they make two, so you're spending five grand in the U.S., and in the U.S., they profit 35000 Yeah. And that seems about right. But it's the doctor there that makes the profit. We're here in the U.S. It's the, We're insurance, here, it's company the insurance company that makes, that makes the profit. profit. Yep. It's just for doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. For being the middleman, for for being the people who shuffle money around. It's sickening. Yep. I care to be able to negotiate for literally drug sickening. Yeah. Just like <laughs> they negotiate uh, with other countries' health systems, we end up paying the highest prices in the world. And I want us to be absolutely clear about making sure the insurance companies in the private employer policy arena, as well as in uh, the affordable care exchanges, are properly regulated so that we are not being gamed. And I think that's an important point to make because I'm going through and analyzing the points you were making, Martha. We don't have enough competition and we don't have enough oversight of what the insurance companies are charging everybody yes. right now. But, yes. but you did say And if we get rid of the insurance companies, we don't have to worry about the competition part of it yeah. or the oversight part of it. Yeah, that they're just just fucking get rid of them. Single payer, Medicare for flat. all. How many how big's your family? You pay this much. Yeah. Done. And I've mentioned it before on the on the show that, you know, for the amount of money that I pay in insurance, mm-hmm. I would I would fucking gladly pay an extra 10 to 20% just straight off the top. Just take that right out of my paycheck. 
toward yeah. a Medicare for all system where I don't have to fucking worry about deductibles yeah. Yeah. and co-pays and getting yeah. fucking approval from my insurance company and sitting around and waiting. I had a conversation and with my dad on the phone the other day and he's like, oh, well, how's your knee doing and everything? And I'm like, well, I haven't even been able to get into the doctor. He's like, oh, yeah, that sucks, you know, blah, blah. But it's better than, you know, a lot of the other third world countries or other countries where they have, you know, socialized medicine. I'm like, how do you figure that? How do you figure that it's better? third world country has Well, because you'd have to sit around and you'd have to sit around and wait to go and see a doctor. I'm like, I'm fucking sitting around waiting to go and see a doctor now because of the fucking insurance company. And paying 20 times as much. Well, and you know, then we have, we have a, you know, those countries, they have a real, a real uh, lack of doctors and a, no. a lack of healthcare providers because they can make more money here in the United States. I'm like, according to who? Who the fuck yeah. are you hearing this from? I haven't seen any of those numbers. Everything that I've seen, everybody, he's like, well, even in Canada where they have the single payer thing and, and you know, everybody can get free healthcare, they have to sit around and wait for their doctors. And I'm like, uh, my You've been watching too no much fucking Fox News, Dad, because I don't hear that from any of my friends who live in Canada. Yeah. They don't complain about it. They love that shit. What is it with older Republicans that have just made a decision to be Republican and no matter what it is, they're just like, well, that's that's that's, what that's left, so it's bad. I don't, it's weird. That's the way it is. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what Johnny Cochran said. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I just want to say Johnny Cochran. <laughs> I don't think they like him either. He's Johnny black. Cochran. <laughs> no, it, I, I don't understand. Like I said, I That's don't weird. understand why the insurance companies are a thing. And then you hear people complain. Well, in other countries, they have to sit around and wait. And it's like oh, I'm sitting around yeah, waiting yeah. right now. Yeah, we wait. I've sat in an emergency and my health care is much more expensive than everywhere yeah, else. Right. Why do I have to sit around and wait to pay more? I right. don't understand that. That's fucking asinine. Yeah, I, I've sat in an emergency room with nobody in it waiting. Yeah. 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 For what? Yeah. I don't know what I was waiting for, but I was like, mm, anyone here? They had Nobody. to call the insurance company. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Got to make sure that we can treat this guy. His arm's like, off right now. We're hoping to reattach it, but. Well, that was the time I had that my we nose need to get would the authorization. Like I had ruptured yeah. something in my face and my nose was just gushing blood and I'm just sitting there. Just waiting. Just waiting. <laughs> yeah. I know. I went to 12 years of medical school, but you know, you dropped out of high school, but you were a pro football star and or you're a you're a big football star and now you're a pro salesman yeah what do i need to do for this patient yeah you know that's what i mean <laughs> glitches yes just glitches well they're they're glitches because 27 percent in the last five years deductibles up 67 percent it, it is because part of this is the startup challenges that this system is facing we have fought as democrats for decades to get a health care plan. I know. I've got the scars to show from the effort back in the early 90s. We really? want to build on it and fix it. And I am confident we can do that. And it will have you want to see my episiotomy scar? In the private <laughs> yeah, market. No, and one I'm of good. the reasons in some states why the percentage cost has gone up so much is because governors there would not extend Medicaid. And so people are still going to get health care, thankfully, in emergency rooms, in hospitals. Those costs are then added to the overall cost, which does increase uh, the insurance premiums okay. for uh, okay. people okay. in the okay. private okay. system. Okay. I was on the committee. Senator, Senator Sanders, I want <laughs> you to respond to what she was saying, but you're instead calling for single-payer yeah. health care. Exactly. Exactly. Note people yeah. won't have to pay deductibles or premiums, but they will have to we pay just wait for taxes. To talk Can you tell exactly us specifically yeah. how much people yeah. will be expected uh, to pay? Uh, let me say this. I, I serve, as a member of the Health Education Committee that helped write the Affordable Care Act, much of what Secretary Clinton said 
about what we have done, among other things, ending the obscenity of this pre-existing situation is a step forward. 17 million more people have health care. It is a step forward. But this is what we also have to say. Not only are deductibles rising, 29 million Americans still have no health insurance, and millions of people can't afford to go to the doctor. Major crisis in primary health care. Here is the bottom line. Why is it that the United States of America today is the only major country on earth that does not guarantee health care to all people as a right? Why is it? Yeah, why, why is, is it? it that yeah. we are why is it that we spend almost three times per capita as to what they spend in the UK, 50% more than what they say in, what they pay in France, countries that guarantee health care to all of their people and in many cases have better health care outcomes. Bottom line, this ties into campaign finance reform. The insurance companies, the drug companies are bribing the United States yep. Congress. Yep. We need to pass a Medicare for all single payer system. It will lower the cost of health care for a middle class family by thousands of dollars yep. a year. And if you yep. want additional health care, go ahead and buy it. Tell us specifically yep, exactly right. people will be expected to pay. But they but will now, not be paying, Martha, any private insurance. So it's unfair to say in total. But you can't tell us a specific I can tell you that adding up the fact that you are not paying any private insurance. Oh, you're gonna grill businesses on that. are not paying any private insurance. The average middle class family will be saving thousands of dollars yeah. a year. Okay, let's let's go to talk about the high cost of college education. And for that, we turn to the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics right here at St. Anselm College, Neil Levesque. Neil? Here to New Hampshire again. As you know, this audience is filled with many St. Anselm College students. And they know that the outstanding student debt right now uh, in America is $1.3 trillion that private education costs have gone up in the last decade 26% and 40% for public education. So knowing that, we know that you want to make higher education more affordable. But how do you really lower the cost? Senator Sanders, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you want free tuition for public colleges. And how does that... How does that really lower the cost other than just shifting the cost to taxpayers? Well, Neil, I think we have got to work on a two-pronged approach. And your point is absolutely well taken. Uh, the cost of college education is escalating a lot faster uh, than the cost of inflation. There are a lot of factors involved in that. And that is that we have some colleges and universities that are spending a huge amount of money on fancy dormitories and on giant football stadiums. Maybe we should focus on quality education with well-paid faculty members. Yes. But, yeah. And I understand that in many universities, a heck of a lot of vice presidents who earn a big salary. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. bottom line is, this is the year 2015. If we are going to be competitive in the global economy, we need the best educated workforce. It is insane, True. to my mind, hundreds of thousands of young people today, bright, qualified people, cannot go to college because they cannot afford, their families cannot afford to send them. Millions coming out of school, as you indicated, deeply in debt. What do we do? My proposal is to put a speculation tax on Wall Street, raise very substantial sums of money, not only make public colleges and universities tuition-free, but also substantially lower interest rates on student debt. 
You have families out there paying 6, 8, 10% on student debt, refinance their homes at 3%. What sense yeah. is that? Yeah. So I think we need <laughs> radical changes in the funding of higher education. We should look at college today the way high school was looked at 60 years ago. All young people yep. have the yep. ability, exactly. should be able to get a college education. Yep. Governor O'Malley. Yep, That's exactly right. Governor O'Malley, how do you, how do you propose... Governor O'Malley, how do you propose lowering some of these costs that are associated with higher education? Yeah, this one falls under the category of, I have actually done this. As a governor, <laughs> Just like everything uh, else. we actually yeah. made the greater investments so that we could go four years in a row without a pennies increase to college tuition. Uh, my plan actually goes further than Senator Sanders, because a big Why? chunk of the cost is actually room and board and books <laughs> and fees. So uh -huh. as a nation... We need to increase what oh. we invest in Pell Grants. Yes, we need to make it easier for parents to refinance, but states need to do more as well. And I propose a block grant program that will keep the states in the game as well. I believe that all of our kids should go into an income-based repayment plan. I'm joined tonight by my two daughters, Tara and, and Grace. My oldest daughter's a teacher. Man, their mother's she here her as name. well. We were proud she of them on graduation name. day, weren't we, Katie? And we're going to be proud every month for the rest of our lives. I mean, we had to borrow so much money to send them to college and we're not the only ones there are families all across america who aren't able to contribute to our economy because of this crushing yep. student loan exactly i also right. propose that we can pay for this with a, uh, a tax on high volume trades and we need to because my dad went to college uh, after coming back from world war ii on a gi bill but today we're the only nation on the planet that's saddling our kids with a lifetime of bills yep. that's a drag on the economy it's one of the key investments we need to make yeah, i was flattered that secretary clinton two months later borrowed so many of my proposals to incorporate into hers Whoa. and in our party unlike the republican party we actually believe that the more our people learn the more they will earn and higher education should be a right for every kid yeah. unlike the republican yeah. party i like that part well that's that's absolutely true well the, well, the more educated you are the less like you are to vote republican well and a lot of well, his proposals are great but they all they all seem to to have as a as a linchpin that that parents Parrot have something that parents have something that they can borrow against, right? Yeah, you know, yeah I mean, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of that means that those at the lower end of the of the income spectrum and those who have no real property yeah. in which to 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 put up to set up to set us to set up yep. as a yeah. second mortgage or anything, yep. their kids are then fucked. Yep, right. I mean, it basically still means that then those who are at the higher end of the of the income spectrum. Their Are children their have advantage. an advantage over yeah. those at the lower end. Yep. Yep. That's a tough problem. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Right. <clears throat> Secretary nice, Clinton, nice, how, how nice does your dig. plan... You're welcome. <laughs> how does your plan differentiate from your opponents? Well, I have what I call the new college compact because I think everybody has to have some skin in this game, Neil. Number one, states have been disinvesting in higher education. In fact, I think... New Hampshire in-state tuition for public college and university is among the highest, if not the highest, in the country. So states over a period of decades have put their money elsewhere, into prisons, into highways, into things yeah. other than higher education. So under my compact, the federal government will match money that the, that the states begin to put back in uh, to the higher education system. Secondly, I don't believe in free tuition for everybody. Well, I believe we should... 
focus on middle class families, working families, and poor kids who have the ambition and the talent to Ooh. go to college and get ahead. So I have proposed debt-free tuition, uh, which I think is affordable, and I would move a lot of the Pell Grant and other aid into the arena where it could be used for living expenses. Uh, so I've put all this together, again, on my website, and am pleased that I've gotten such a good response. But I want to quickly say that you know, one of the areas that Senator Sanders touched on um, in talking about education and certainly talking about health care uh, is his uh, commitment to really changing the systems. Uh, free college, a single-payer system for health care. And it's been estimated we're looking at 18 to 20 trillion dollars, about a 40 percent increase in the federal budget. Um, and I have looked at his proposed plans for health care, for example, and it really does transfer every bit of our health care system, including private health care, to the states to have the states run. And I think we've got to be really thoughtful about how we're going to afford what we propose, which is why everything that I have proposed, I will tell you exactly how I'm going to pay for it, including college. Can thank I you, Secretary Clinton. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to get right us. into this, Senator, because I want to ask about taxes well, uh, next. Uh, and this is included. Was just, she, <laughs> she was asking about that. But Secretary Clinton is wrong. As you know, as I know you know a lot about health care. You know that the United States per capita pays far and away more than any other country. Yeah, and it is unfair simply to say how much more the program will cost without making sure that people know we are doing away with the cost of private insurance and that the middle yes. class will be paying substantially less yeah. for health care on the single payer yeah. than on the Secretary Clinton's proposal. Well, the, the only thing, that, the only on thing I, I Secretary, yeah, she, She's somewhere between a Democrat and a and my analysis is that you are going to have to get more taxes out of middle class families. I'm the only so person on this stage. More taxes out of middle class? No taxes. middle class tax raises. That Which is, is where we're going. She's saying that's what Bernie's. Oh, she's well, saying that Bernie's would would inherently imply higher middle class taxes. And I would be totally fine with higher taxes if it meant that I didn't have to pay that money toward. Fucking other shit. for my private yeah, health care. If insurance. it went to things we could actually see were benefiting society, sure. Yeah. I mean, if it means that but right my now employer it's going to line the pockets of yeah. big investors and insurance companies. If it means that my employer isn't having to pay for half of my health care insurance while I'm paying the other half, which is you know six hundred dollars per month. Yeah, do away with that twelve hundred dollars. Take. Fucking take take all of that twelve hundred dollars if you need to, and give insurance to everybody, right, and yeah. we don't have to worry about the yeah. deductibles and fucking right. copays and getting right. getting authorization from our insurance company to get the health care that we fucking need and that our yep. doctors recommend. Yep, and I'll tell you what, I you know, I know the statistics are that the high percentage of people, you know, live within thirty miles of where they were raised, you know. I've been all over this country. Yeah, I'm a little further than that. Yeah, you are. You are. Yeah. But, you know, you're, mil you're military. <laughs> but, I mean, I've driven all the way from Massachusetts to, you know, at Los Angeles and all the way up to Minneapolis and, and yeah. Spokane. And I've been all over the place. Every single time when you go to – when you hit a city, you go to downtown, the biggest buildings, every time, banks, insurance companies, every yeah. single yep. time without fail. Every city. 
Well, this is getting to be fun. This is fun. <laughs> this is democracy at work. And Secretary Clinton, let me ask you about your tax plan, because from the crushing cost of a college education, the next question most families have is, will my taxes go up under the next president? You have said it's your goal not to raise taxes on families making under $250,000 a year, a goal. But can you say that's a promise as you stand here tonight? That is a pledge that I'm making. I made it a when I ran in 2008, yes. And it was the same one that uh, I want you to say it. Say promise. I say promise. That because was the first I time she's been pretty we should certain about it. Be anything. imposing <laughs> new big programs that are going to raise middle class families' taxes. We just heard that most families haven't had a wage increase since 2001, since you know the end of the last Clinton administration when oh. incomes did go up uh, for everybody. Well, and we've got to get true. back to where yeah. people can save money again, where they can invest in their families. And I don't think a middle class tax should be part of anybody's plan right now. Let me respond. Secretary Clinton. Let me respond in two ways. Number one, most important economic reality of today is that over the last 30 years, there has been a transfer of trillions of dollars from the middle class to the top one-tenth of one percent who have seen a doubling of the percentage of wealth that they own. Now, when Secretary Clinton says, I'm not going to raise taxes on the middle class, let me tell you what she is saying. She is disagreeing with FDR and Social Security, LBJ on Medicare, and with the vast majority of progressive Democrats in the House and the Senate who today are fighting to end the disgrace of the United States being the only major country on earth that doesn't provide paid family and medical leave. Yep. What the legislation Those is, is a dollar sixty-one a week. Now, you can say that's a tax on the middle class. It will provide three months paid family and medical leave for the working families of this country. I think, Secretary Clinton, a buck sixty-one is a week is a pretty good investment. Senator, thank you. I want to bring Senator, in Governor O'Malley on this. Been, Governor O'Malley, let me ask. You for thank you. Thank you. David, yeah. I have a way David, to pay for it that David, actually for makes the wealthiest pay for it. Well, every Not progressive Democrat and senator is supportive of this proposal introduced by your good friend and my good friend, Kirsten Gillibrand, Rosa DeLauro. That is the legislation out there that will finally provide family Thank medical you. I want to bring in Governor O'Malley on this. We heard the Thank promise you. there from Secretary Clinton because people <laughs> want to know about their taxes. Will they go up? She has now promised here tonight not to raise them on families making 250000 or less. Can you make that same promise if you're elected president? No, I've never made a promise like that. But unlike either of these two fine people, I've actually balanced the budget every single year. I was one of I was the only one of only seven states that had a AAA bond rating. By the time I left, the average uh, tax burden on Maryland families was the same as when I started. But I did pass a more progressive income tax and asked the highest earning uh, people to pay another 14 percent. Uh, David, look, this is the big. Uh, I agree, by the way, uh, that we should have paid family leave. And I agree with Senator Sanders on that. And just like Social Security, uh, 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 and unlike the Republicans, I think we should actually expand Social Security and uh, increase uh, average monthly benefits. But look, there's one big entitlement we can no longer afford as a country. And that is the entitlement that the super wealthy among us, those earning more than a million dollars, feel that they're entitled to pay lower income tax yep. rates and a far lower preferred uh, income tax rate when they it comes to capital to gains. I mean, if 
We yeah. were to raise the marginal rate to 45% for people earning more than a million dollars. And if we tax capital gains essentially the same we do uh, uh, earnings from hard work and sweat and toil, you could generate $800 billion over the next 10 years. And that would do so much good for affordable college, debt-free college, cutting youth unemployment in half, investing in our cities again. So uh, the things I have done in office are the things that actually invest in growing our economy and making wages go up. That's the issue <laughs> that, that we finger. need to tackle as <laughs> Americans. And we can do it, and we know, know. how. Governor Malley, thank you. A spirited debate on taxes, and we'll be much more and this, the Democratic and debate. this guy are in, in danger of getting into a handsome right off here. <laughs> ABC News live coverage of this the New Hampshire Democratic debate. <laughs> another break. So we'll take another short little break here. Okay. We'll be right back. Breaky break. This podcast is awesome. I love how they've used the word fuck for every part of the English language. Didn't miss one. But if you really love the pervasive use of the word fuck like I do, when you finish up here, you should head over to my podcast, Unbuckling the Bible Belt. You'll get to hear me, Sharon Bush, and my co-host, Joe Kiddick, fuck each other to death. Wait, that didn't come out right. And we're back. So during the break... Uh, I made a point that I think I I hinted at uh, prior just prior to the break where you know none of the none of the candidates have have come out and said yes I'm all for single payer and your taxes will go up and I think they haven't said that because they're afraid of saying that your taxes, taxes will, will go, go up. up yeah and, of course and and the the thing that they need to stress is that you're already paying ten to twenty percent of your income. To if, health insurance. If, yeah, if you have private health insurance, you're already paying to ten, 10 to twenty percent of your income just to cover that. Yeah, yeah. And so, if your taxes go up to, to ten to twenty percent, you're not necessarily sure. going to be paying anymore. Yes, it will be a tax increase, but it won't be that much less out of your paycheck, if any right. at all. And it should be because right. that will Save be going. Money. Yeah, that will be going toward. Your medical expenses, which right. hopefully yeah, you should toward, have to pay toward any your single-payer direct pay into the system yes, that is right. going to provide health care for you. Right, right. And then also it will be less out of your pocket because you won't be paying the co-pays yep. and deductibles and all that other bullshit. Right. So the thing is you have $100 and you already pay $15 of that for shitty insurance. Yeah. What if I told you you could pay 15 or $20 for good insurance or good coverage? Yeah, that you that's won't that have it. to worry about keeping track right. of your that's that's what we're talking about deductibles and all of that other bullshit. Right. Yeah, I would I would happily do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I would I would rush to give that <laughs> money to them. Right. Like, please, please, please but, take my money in order to make this happen. But we yeah. know why it won't happen because if you do that, the big pharmaceutical companies don't make oh, yeah. money off of, of off the from the insurance from selling their fucking high dollar medicine. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're going to have the. The the ignorant populace who has no idea they're going to raise my taxes. What? Yeah. No, right. and that's why they shy away money. from it, and that's why they're not saying exactly. It, they they need to try to educate people to make that point perfectly clear. You're already yes. paying this. Yes, yeah. your taxes are going to go up ten to twenty percent, but they're you're already paying it. But this is this is partly why I'm I'm a supporter of Bernie because he's sort of attacking it at both ends. You know, he's saying yes that. But he's also saying we need to make education a priority as well. Yeah. So yeah. that not only not only are we helping people, but, but we're helping understand people understand how, how we're helping under. them. Yeah. All right. Let's get back into this here. 
Live from Manchester, New Hampshire. Here again is George Stephanopoulos. And the debate will continue in just a minute. Back here with John Carl and Bernie Sanders. He's having some fun now. The debate over I think taxes. Still on their pee break. Very big difference between Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, and Mark Clinton a little more time to come back. That's right. It was just a couple weeks ago. She told you that she would, it was a goal for her not to raise taxes on the middle class. Now she put it as a firm it. pledge. And she was the only person on that stage who said absolutely no tax hikes on the middle class. Bernie Sanders made it clear he's got some tax increases coming. He says it'll be worth it. And and, and in a Democratic Which primary, is what I was talking about. Work, it will be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Secretary Clinton and he's keeping her eye and she's done this throughout this debate so far, trying to keep her eye on the general election, even as she fends off her primary opponents. Absolutely. I mean, even when it came to Syria, even putting some blame on President Obama, Obama saying essentially, like if he had listened to me, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. That was a message the 90s, for the general Stephanopoulos. election. Big oh, issues going back to the first, uh, first section. Stephanie Kind of control. Again, something huge in the Democratic. Are you thinking of like the guy in Full House? No, no, no. no. We're thinking of Stephanopoulos. Yeah, yeah, I mean, on yeah, stage. I mean John Stamos too, of course. But sitting back on this, this is his cancer ridden twin brother. <laughs> yeah, I don't see him as being a sex icon ever. No, every, yeah, there was a, there was a while there in the early to mid nineties where all the all the ladies thought he was hot stuff. I was going to go maybe during a seventies porn era, but where all the ladies thought Stephanopoulos was a was a yeah. You don't remember that? I don't. I don't know about that. Maybe. Did he do seventies porn? Because I could see him looking no, good in that. No, he's got the hair. No, he's got the pop marked face. Pop marked. He's got a lot of makeup on. But in seventies porn, <laughs> he looked pretty pop marked. Well, especially now in the in the age of high definition. Yeah, you can really see that shit now. <laughs> okay. Oh, Hillary's done peeing. Welcome back tonight to New Hampshire. The Democratic debate continues here on ABC. And Secretary Clinton, we want to turn to race now in America. Uh oh. There is a real concern Uh-oh. in this country from Black Lives Matter and from other community groups that we're just now seeing with smartphones and cell phones, what many have been dealing with for years when they <laughs> come in contact with police. But you also have many in law enforcement who now say there's been a so called Ferguson effect. Police holding back because they're afraid of backlash. In fact, the FBI director calling it a chill wind blowing through American law enforcement. So if elected president they need a chill win i I haven't heard of any of this david i think this is one of the most important challenges facing not just our next president but our country we have systemic racism and injustice and inequities uh in our uh country and in particular in our uh justice system that must be addressed and must Mm -hmm. be ended Uh, I feel very strongly that we have to reform our criminal justice system and we have to find ways to try to bring uh, law enforcement together again with the communities that they are sworn to protect. Uh, Trust has been totally lost in a lot of places. At the same time, we know that in many parts of our country, police officers are bridging those divides and they're acting heroically. The young officer who was killed responding to the Planned Parenthood uh, murders, the officer who told the victims uh, of the San Bernardino uh, killings that he would take a bullet before them. Uh, So I think that we need to build on the work of the policing commission that President Obama impaneled. Uh, We need to get a bipartisan uh, commitment to work together on this. And we need to hear the voices of those men and women and boys and girls uh, who feel like strangers in their own country. 
uh, and do whatever is necessary to not only deal with the immediate problems within the criminal justice system, but more opportunities, more jobs, better education, uh, so that we can begin to rebuild that very valuable asset known as trust. Secretary, thank you. Governor O'Malley, how would you bridge the divide? There is no issue in American public policy that I have worked on more day in and day out than this painful issue of, of policing, of law enforcement, criminal justice, and race in America. When I ran in 1999, David, for mayor of Baltimore, our city by that year had become the most addicted, violent, and abandoned in America. But we came together. I brought people together over some very deep racial divides. I think you said this before. And we were able to put our city on a path for the biggest reduction in crime of any major city in America over the next 10 years. As governor, we continued to work together. We reduced violent crime to 30-year lows, but get this. We also reduced incarceration rates to 20-year lows. So it is possible, actually, to find the things that actually work, that we did, uh, increasing drug treatment, using big data to better protect the lives of young people, cut juvenile crime in half, and it's also possible to improve how we police our police. Look, there wasn't a single day as mayor of Baltimore that I wasn't asked whether I was delivering on the promise I made to police the police. We reported excessive force, discourtesy, use of lethal force. In fact, drove down to three of the four lowest years on record uh, police use of lethal force. As a nation, we have to embrace this moment and make our departments more open, more transparent, and more accountable. Just as we require every major department, every county, to report its uh, major crimes, we should require police departments to report their discourtesy, brutality, excessive force. There's so much work that can be done, so much we've learned to do better. We need to do it now as a nation. This is our time and our opportunity to do that. Governor, thank you. And, and Senator Sanders. When, when you hear the FBI director calling it a chill wind blowing through American law enforcement, does that concern you as well when you... Well, this whole issue concerns I me, and I agree with much of what the secretary and the governor have said. But let's be clear. Today in America, we have more people in jail than any other country on earth. True. 2.2 million yeah. people, predominantly African-American and Hispanic. Yeah. We are spending $80 billion a year locking up our fellow Americans. I think, and this is not easy, but I think we need to make, wage a major effort to come together as a country and end institutional racism. We need major, major reforms of a very broken criminal justice system. Now, what does that mean? Well, for a start, it means that police officers should not be shooting unarmed people, predominantly African-Americans. Yep. Yep. It means that we have to rethink the so-called war on drugs, yep. which has destroyed the lives of millions of people, which is why I have taken marijuana out of the Controlled Substance Act. Yep. There we go, so Bernie. it will not be a federal crime. That is why we need to make, that is why we need to make police, and I speak as a former mayor. I was a mayor for eight years, worked very closely with the great police department. And what we did is try to move that department toward community policing so that the police officers become part of the community and not, as we see in some cities, an oppressive force. We need to make police departments look like 
the communities they serve in terms of diversity. We need to end minimal sentencing. We need basically to pledge that we're going to invest in this country in jobs and education, not more jails and incarceration. Senator, thank you. Yep, yep, totally true. We want to turn now to an issue. Agreed. We need to move this away from This next issue has destroyed prison. so many families yeah, across the country, too, yeah. and in For particular right here prison. in New Hampshire, yeah. heroin. And there's a stunning new figure out. A recent poll, 48% yeah. here in this state alone say they know someone who has abused. So that that also kills me, right? You hear the you hear the libertarians all the time talk about, you know, the the government cracking down on things and doing this and that. We need to privatize things. Oh, how does how has that worked for our yeah, prison yeah, system? Yeah. Who yeah. profit off of keeping people in fucking prison? Yeah. Well, this needs to. This all should be handled by the private sector. Well, yeah. Let's point to our our prison population yeah. and and how that's all being handled. Right. As a prime yeah. example of why that's a fucking stupid, stupid idea. idea. Yeah. Here's another thing. I you know, maybe you guys know this. I was unaware. Have you done? Have you guys done time as an adult? No. <laughs> I only spent one night. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know they send? Well, yeah, Ryan. Ryan has done a little bit of time. Just one, one day, and one night. Like, yeah, that ambient's a damn terrible, (laughs) horrible shit. Uh, You gotta go back a few episodes to get that story. (laughs) Do you know they? Do you know they send you a bill? For the time you've spent there, what? Well, I didn't get a bill for my little bit of time, but I I lost five thousand dollars in the whole time. Yeah, yeah, they bill you for the time you spend in jail. Well, for your stay, I did not know that. Yeah, another interesting twist that never Hmm. gets brought up about privatized prisons. So, is it as much as a hospital bed? No. Okay. But but still, I mean, but still, you know, when prisons are being charged for eighty eighty percent capacity. And they don't have the way the the means to replenish that income or even make a profit off it. Guess what they're going to do? Yeah, they're going to charge you. They're going like to fill that fucking in. place. It's like if to you its capacity. You as, own a hotel and you come to my house yep. and go, "Hey, dude, stay in my hotel and I you have to stay there. You got to get out of your house, get off the fucking street, stay in my hotel." The next day, like, by the way, your hotel stay last night was two hundred dollars. Yeah, like what the fuck? <laughs> no, no, it's you like, invited me in. It's like you own a hotel. <laughs> you didn't invite me. You forced, forced me, me to in. Stay you forced here. me it's, into your hotel. Yeah, it's and like now you, you charge me to own stay a there. hotel, and then the state you're in sends people out to, to go ho- find residents for your hotel. Yeah, at, not e- mice residents. Either, either you come with mice. me, or I kill you. Yeah, and then you charge them yeah. rent. Yeah, that's, that's fucked up. That's what it is. Hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's five bucks a day. It's still fucking. Fucked yeah. up. I mean, if you're in prison for 20 years and you got to pay five bucks a day, it's a fucking shitload when it adds up. Well, I think I think when you get I think when you get to long term, it becomes taxpayer debt, yeah. rather, rather than individual. But well, I had to pay bail, if, so if do, that was my room well, yeah, fee. Of yeah, I, just, I just wanted to point out that hypocrisy and contradictory nature of libertarian thinking. Oh yeah, yeah. As far as that Sorry, goes, I derailed that. But no, you're fine. I, uh, I it was another I point. I have everything. I haven't had another opportunity to bring that up okay (laughs) destroyed so many families across the country and in particular right here in new hampshire heroin and there's a stunning new figure out a recent poll 48 percent here in this state alone say they know someone who has abused heroin we're going to turn tonight to dan tui of the new hampshire union leader who has this question 
bring it to New Hampshire has been hard oh, hit by the heroin epidemic. We're on track to have twice as many overdose deaths this year as in 2013. What specifically would you do to address this crisis? Senator Sanders, I'm going to take this to you first because you've seen what's happened with heroin right on the border in yes. your own state. Look, this is a tragedy for New Hampshire. It is a tragedy for my state of Vermont. It is a tragedy all over this country. The number of heroin deaths are growing very, very significantly. What do we do? Well, for a start, this may seem like a radical idea, but I think we have got to tell uh, the medical profession and doctors who are prescribing opiates and the pharmaceutical industry that they have got to start getting their act together. We cannot have this huge number of opiates out there throughout this country mm -hmm. where young people are taking them, getting hooked, and then going to heroin. Second of all, and the reason that I believe in a health care for all program, we need to understand that addiction is a disease, not a criminal activity. Yeah. And that means... It's true. Yeah. And that means radically changing the way we deal with mental health and addiction issues. When somebody is addicted and seeking help, they should not have to wait three, four months in order to get yeah. that help. They should be able to walk in the door tomorrow and get a variety of treatments that work for them. So those are some of the areas that I think we've got to move yeah. on. Senator, thank you. Secretary Clinton. You know, on my very first issue. visit to New Hampshire in this campaign, I was in Keene and I was asked, what are you going to do about the heroin epidemic? And all over New Hampshire, I met grandmothers who are raising children because they've lost the father or the mother to an overdose. I met young people who are desperately trying to get clean and have nowhere to go because there are not enough facilities. Uh, so this is a major epidemic, and it has hit New Hampshire and Vermont particularly hard. I've had two town halls, one in Keene, one in Laconia, dedicated exclusively to talking about what we can do. And I've heard some great ideas about how law enforcement is changing its behavior, how the recovery community is really reaching out. And I was proud to get the endorsement of Mayor Walsh of Boston, who has made his struggle with alcoholism a real clarion call for action uh, in this Irishman. arena. So I have laid out a five-point plan about what we can do together. <laughs> I would like the federal government to offer $10 billion so over know that 10 years was invented to work as a with states. And I really cure? applaud Governor Hassan for taking up this challenge. What now? So they had, during the 70s, their doctors were prescribing more pain medication that are based off of, like, cocaine and all the opiates and stuff. Well, people were getting opiate addictions. So they're like, ah, oh, let's find a way we to help them kick their opiate Just addiction. Give them heroin. And they invented heroin to help them kick their opiate addictions, the and they got addicted to heroin. Way older than the 70s. No, but this is where doctors started making it as a prescription to kick... Other opiate drugs, They're like, yeah. oh, we'll give you this drug to kick this drug. Huh. It's like, no, this drug is way more addictive than that drug. Mm. <clears throat> I didn't know that. It was mm. not cracked. We can do together. <laughs> I would like the federal yeah. government to offer $10 billion over 10 years to work with states. And I really applaud Governor Hassan for taking up this challenge and working with the legislature here to come up with a plan. We have to do more on the prescribing end of it. There are too many opioids being prescribed, and that leads directly now to heroin addiction. And we yeah. have to change the way we do law enforcement. And of course, we need more programs and facilities. So when somebody is ready to get 
get help, yeah. there's a place for them to go. And every law enforcement should carry the antidote to overdose. I, I agree with that. So that they can save lives that are it's easy on the to brink administer of and it's been proven that a pop finding a guy in the street overdosing to administer it and um, to save his life almost every time. Oh, yeah? All it is is it's a nasal spray. You put it in the nose and you squeeze it and it shoots up the, the, the Narcan right into the, your nasal cavity and basically stops the drug interaction with your brain and stops you from overdosing. Over overdosing but yeah. the thing is is that when when you do it it's pretty quick acting so when the person realizes you just destroyed my high they're usually pretty fucking pissed off <laughs> you destroyed my high and saved my life but, you but, bastard but i was hoping to be like really fucking high for a while and now i'm not <laughs> and i'm sober and it hurts to be sober so they get yeah. mad Hmm. But it'll save their life. And what is it that you... That, Narcan. Narcan? Well, there's different forms. We carry Narcan, but it's a nasal Narcan spray where you stick a little tube in the nose, squeeze it, and it sh- they just come right out of their, their high. Huh. I didn't know that such thing existed. Yep, and they're trying to make it legal for cops to carry it on the streets, so that way... Because right now it's a like a paramedic drug. Yeah. So they're trying to make it legal to have cops For the carry police it. to have mm-hmm. in their position, yeah. That'd be good. It would be. The antidote to overdose naloxone so that they can save lives that are on the brink of expiring. Secretary, David, thank you. I actually know a great deal about this issue. I think naloxone and, might uh, be a generic I have name. a dear friend, played music with him for years. Remember when, his, when he came home with his baby girl and now she's no longer with us because of uh, addiction and overdose. My last time in New Hampshire, I had to take a break shortly after landing and call home and comfort a a friend whose mother died of an overdose. Uh, Drugs have uh, taken far too many of our citizens. It's a huge public health challenge in our own city. I mentioned before we have become the most addicted city in America, but together every single year, I expanded drug treatment funding in our city, and then I expanded it in our state, and we were saving lives every single year doing the things that work, intervening earlier, understanding the continuum of care that's required until we got hit, like every other state in the state, in the United States, especially in New Hampshire and in the Northeast, with this opioid addiction, the overprescribing. I agree we need better, we need to rein in the overprescribing, but I have put forward on my and my plan a $12 billion federal investment. We have to invest in the local partnerships, and the best place to intervene. The best indicator of when a person is actually on the verge of killing themselves because of an addiction is at the hospital. That very first time they show up with a near miss, we should be intervening there. That's what I said to my own public health people. What would we do if this were Ebola? How would we act? So many more Americans have been killed by the combination of heroin and these highly addictive pain pills, and yet we refuse to act. There are things that can be done. Go on to my website. My plan is there. It's one of the strategic goals I've set out to make our country a better place uh, by cutting these sorts of uh, deaths in half in the next five years. Governor O'Malley, thank you. Martha? Something that addictive should not be prescribed to you until you're in the last moments of your life where you just want to have that pain gone. Libya is falling apart. The country is a haven for ISIS and jihadists with an estimated 2,000 ISIS fighters there today. You advocated for that 2011 intervention and called it smart power at its best. And yet even President Obama said the U.S. should have done more to fill the leadership vacuum left behind. How much responsibility do you bear for the chaos that followed elections? 
Well, first, you know, let's remember why we became part of a coalition to stop Gaddafi from uh, committing uh, massacres against his people. The United States was asked to support the Europeans and the Arab partners that we had, and we did a lot of due diligence about whether we should or not, and eventually, yes, I recommended and the president decided that we would support uh, the action to protect civilians on the ground, and that led to the overthrow of Gaddafi. Uh, I think that what Libya then did by having a full free election, which elected moderates, was an indication of their crying need and desire to get on the right path. Now, the whole region has been rendered unstable, in part because of the aftermath of the Arab Spring, in part because of the very uh, effective outreach and propagandizing that ISIS and other uh, terrorist groups do. Um, but what we're seeing happening in Libya right now uh, is that there has been a fragile uh, agreement to put aside the differences that exist among Libyans themselves to try to dislodge ISIS from CERT, the hometown of Gaddafi, and to begin to try to create a national government. You know, it, this is not easy work. We did a lot to help. We did as much as we could because the Libyans themselves had very strong feelings about what they wished to accept. Um, but we're always looking for ways about what more we can do to try to help give people a chance to be successful. Secretary Clinton, I want to go back. But that, that government lacked institutions and experience. It had been a family business for 40 years. On the security side, we offered only a modest training effort and a very limited arms buyback program. Let me ask you the question again. How much responsibility do you bear for the chaos that followed those elections? Now, Martha, we offered a lot more than they were willing to take. We offered a lot more. We also got rid of their chemical weapons, which was a big help. And we also went after a lot of the uh, shoulder-fired missiles to round them up. You know, we can't, if we're not going to send videos, American yeah. troops, which there was never any idea of doing that, then to try to send trainers, to try to send experts is something we offered, Europeans offered, the UN offered, and there wasn't a lot of responsiveness at first. I think a lot of the Libyans who had been forced out of their country by Gaddafi, She's who came back way to over try a to be part a of a new talking. government, believed they knew what to do, and it turned out that they broke. were no match for some of the you know, militaristic forces the inside clock. that country. Yeah, but I'm not giving up on Libya, and I don't think anybody should. We've been at this But were mistakes made? Well, there's always. I guess every time they ask you a question like that, they start over. I know that we offered a lot of help, and I know it was difficult for the Libyans to accept help. What we could have done if they had said yes would have been a lot more than what we were able to have done. Senator Sanders. Senator Sanders. Look, the Secretary is right. This is a terribly complicated issue. There are no simple solutions. But where we have a disagreement, is that I think if you look at the history of regime changes, you go back to Mossadegh in Iran, you go I back to Salvador Allende, who we overthrew <laughs> in Chile, you go back to overthrowing Saddam Hussein oh, in Iraq, you go back to where we are today in Syria with a dictator named Assad. 
The truth is, it is relatively easy for a powerful nation like America to overthrow a dictator. Yep. But it is yep. very hard to predict the unintended consequences and the turmoil and the instability that follows after you overthrow that dictator. So I think Secretary Clinton I and I hear, have hear a fundamental disagreement. Yeah. I'm not quite the fan of regime change that I believe she is. Martha, well, but I would just repeat case. that Secretary I, would, wait a minute. I, I think it's only fair to put on the Shut record up, Senator Sanders voted in the Senate for a resolution <laughs> she calling she for <laughs> ending the Gaddafi regime and asking that the UN be brought in, either a congressional vote or a UN Security Council vote. We got a UN Security Council vote. Now, I understand that this is very difficult, and I'm not standing here today is saying even on that stage anymore? Libya is as far along as Tunisia. We saw what happened in Egypt. I cautioned about a quick overthrow of Mubarak, and we now are back with an, basically an army dictatorship. This is a part of the world where the United States has tried to play two different approaches. One, work with the tough men, the dictators, for our own benefit, and promote democracy, that's a hard road to walk, but I think it's the right road for us to try to travel. And Martha, in Governor this Malley. case, and in this case, we probably let our lust for regime toppling get ahead of the practical <laughs> considerations for stability He's been waiting 20 minutes to region. say this. <laughs> and I believe that one of the big uh, failings in that region is a lack of human intelligence. We have not made the investments that we need to make to understand and to have relationships with, uh, with future leaders that are coming up. I thought he was That's calling what, Libya uh, stupid. Chris Stevens was trying to do, but without the tools, without the support that was needed to do that. And now what we have is a whole stretch shut now of the coast of Libya, 100, 100 miles, 150 miles, that has now become potentially the next safe haven for ISIL. They go back and forth between Syria and this region. We have to stop contributing boats? to the creation of vacuums no. that allow safe havens to develop. Thank if you I very might. much. Thank you. We're going to move on here. Governor Malley, thank you very much for that. And we're going to make a very sharp turn as we uh -oh. wrap things up here. Secretary Clinton, First Ladies, about adopting as you well kitties. know, have used their position to work on important causes like literacy and drug abuse, but they also supervise the menus, the flowers, the holiday ornaments, and White House decor. I know you think you know where I'm going here. You have said that Bill Clinton is a great host and loves giving tours but may opt is. out of picking flower arrangements if you're elected. <laughs> Bill Clinton aside, is it time to change the role of a president's spouse? Oh. Well, the, the, the role has been defined that by each person who's held it. And <laughs> I am very uh, grateful for all my predecessors and my successors because each of them not only did what she could to support her husband and our country, but often chose to work on important issues that were of particular concern. Um, obviously, Mrs. Obama has been a terrific leader when it comes to young people's health, particularly nutrition and exercise, and I think has had a big impact. So whoever is part of the family of a president has an extraordinary uh, privilege of not only having a front row seat on history, but making her or maybe his contribution. And with respect to my own husband, I am 
probably still going to pick the flowers and the china uh, for state dinners and stuff like that. But I will certainly turn to him as prior presidents have for special missions, for advice, and in particular, how we're going to get the economy uh, working again for everybody, which he knows a little bit about. (laughs) I do want to follow up here for each of you. And a similar line of questioning, Senator Sanders, your wife Jane shares an office in your campaign headquarters in Burlington. We've seen the pictures, the desks right next to each other. Would she have a desk close by in the West Wing? Um, Given the fact that she's a lot smarter than me, yes, she would. (laughs) Uh, And let me, by the way, take this moment uh, to congratulate Hillary Clinton, who I thought not only did an outstanding job as our first lady, but redefined what that role could be. So I thank you very much for that. The classy move. Well, she probably did step in a lot more as first lady. Oh, absolutely. Wife Jane uh, has been, way back when, before I knew her, Uh, a foster parent. Many, many kids came into her home and received the kind of love that they desperately needed, and she turned around many lives. She is the best parent and grandmother that I know. Uh, She has devoted her life when I was mayor of the city of Burlington, actually when I first met her. We started a youth office, which started after-school programs for kids, started a child care center, started a youth newspaper. We got the kids involved in a whole lot of issues. She led that effort. So I think at a time uh, when uh, so many of our kids are desperately looking for constructive activity, where too many of our kids are hanging around on street corners, potentially getting into trouble, I think we need a forceful advocate for the children, for teenagers, for the little children, to deal with a dysfunctional child care sen- uh, yeah. s- system. She looks and young. I think my wife would do a great job in helping me accomplish those goals. Senator, thank you. A lot, or younger than him. Yeah, yeah a lot, she looks a lot younger than he uh... Governor O'Malley, you have talked about your wife, Katie, here tonight. She's a district court judge. And the question for you is, would she have to give that up as first lady, and, or will she share an office in the West Wing as well? Well, that would be totally up to her. I mean, Katie is uh, she wears a person to let uh, her husband's professional choices get in the way with following her dreams. And I think she got that from her mother. And I readily admit that she is a far more accomplished lawyer than I was ever able to become before I took my detour. She is a district court judge in Maryland. She puts in a full day there. We've raised four terrific kids. And um, and yet, when she was first lady of uh, the state, not only would she go to work every day and, and sit there through a lot of uh, sad and gut-wrenching cases, but then she'd put in additional time being an advocate against domestic violence. Maryland made great strides on that because of her advocacy and her understanding of how the court process works. She was uh, an advocate against bullying and implementing anti-bullying things. So Katie O'Malley will do whatever Katie O'Malley wants to do, regardless of her husband's success in getting elected president. Governor O'Malley, <laughs> That was a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. That was a awesome. very good yeah. The Democratic debate continues right after this. Donate time. <laughs> I haven't done <laughs> that in a long time. Children's Justice Center? What's that? Uh, there's know. a place in Provo where abused children can go get uh, free or discounted help. Oh, yeah? But if they have siblings, they like to keep them separate from 
what's actually going on in the counseling session. Uh-huh. And so I would volunteer on Monday evening. Playing basketball with them or something? Well, I mean, usually they were younger than that. So I'd sit in the playroom and we'd build blocks or I'd draw some, whatever their favorite animal was, draw with them and yeah, build Legos (laughs) or whatever it was. Uh, That kind of stuff. But uh, I got to go back and do more of that. That sounds like a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. Very rewarding thing to do. Go and help some peoples. Yeah, sure. Happy holidays. From all of us at Good For Utah. Good for Utah. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Welcome back tonight. It's been an evening of lively discussion among the candidates, and it's time for closing statements. We began in alphabetical so order, soon? so we'll reverse the order at the end and begin with you, Senator Sanders. Well, thank you very much uh, for hosting this debate. And let me applaud my colleagues up here, because I think, frankly, maybe I'm wrong, but on our worst day, I think we have a lot more to offer the American yes. people than the right-wing extremists. Hell yeah. Yes, of Absolutely. Of course. I would take, I would take the worst of you three over the best of My father came to this country from Poland at the age of 17 without a nickel in his pocket which sparked my interest in the need for immigration reform because I know what it's like to be the son of an immigrant. We grew up in a a three-and-a-half-room, rent-controlled apartment in Brooklyn, New York. My mother's dream, and she died very young, but my mother's dream for her whole life was to be able to get out of that rent-controlled apartment and own a home of her own. She never lived to see that. But what my parents did accomplish is they were able to send both of their sons to college. We were the first in the family. So I know something about economic anxiety and living in a family that does not have sufficient income. And that is why I am pledged, if elected President of the United States, to bring about a political revolution where millions of people begin to stand up and finally say, enough is enough. This great country and our government belong to all of us, not just a handful of billionaires. Thank you very much. Enough Enough is too much. Governor O'Malley. Man, what his mother would think of him at this point. Who have tuned in tonight? I want to thank the great people of New Hampshire, where despite all of the cynicism about big money and and big banks taking over our politics, here in New Hampshire, the individual matters. You know, my wife Katie and I have four terrific kids, and like you, there's probably nothing we wouldn't do to give them a future that's safer, that's healthier, where they have more opportunity than our parents and grandparents gave to us. Tonight, what you listened to was a healthy exchange of ideas about how we do that, that which we have always proven uh, the capacity to do better than any nation in the world, to take actions that include more of our people more fully in the economic, social, and political life of our country. When you listened to the Republican debate the other night, you heard a lot of anger and you had a lot of fear. Well, they can have their anger and they can have their fear, but anger and fear never built America. We build our country by adopting wage and labor policies, including comprehensive immigration reform with a pathway of citizenship for all. We do it by investing in our country, by investing in infrastructure, by investing in the skills and the talents of our people with debt-free college, and we can do it again. 
And we also create a better future for our kids when we square our shoulders to the great challenges of our times, whether it's terror trying to undermine our values or Republican presidential candidates trying to get us to surrender our freedoms and our, and our values in the face of this threat. The other big challenge we have is climate change. The greatest yes. business opportunity to come to the United up. States of America in 100 years. We need to embrace this. I have put forward a plan that does this, that moves us to 100% clean electric grid by 2050. Join this campaign for the future. New Solar leadership is what our country roadways. needs to move us out of these divided and polarized times. Thank you. Yeah. Governor, thank you. Yeah, that was good. He, he should have paused to take the applause break in the middle of that. But Secretary. Yeah, but still, his points were valid. On January but yeah. 20th, 2017, the next president of the United States will walk into the White House. If, heaven forbid, that next president is a Republican, I think it's pretty clear we know what will happen. A lot of the rights that have been won over years, from women's rights to voter rights to gay rights to worker rights, will be at risk. Social Security, which Republicans call a Ponzi scheme, may face privatization. Our vets may see the VA hospital that needs to be improved and made better for them turned over to privatization. Planned Parenthood will be defunded. The list goes on because the differences are so stark. You know, everybody says every election is important, and there's truth to that. This is a watershed election. I know how important it is that we have a Democrat succeed President Obama in the White House. Yes. And I will do all that I can in this campaign to reach out and explain what I stand for and what I will do as president. You know, I became a grandmother 15 months ago, and so I spent a lot of time thinking about my granddaughter's future. But as president, I will spend even more time thinking about the futures of all the kids and the grandchildren in this country. Because I want to make sure every single child has a chance to live up to his or her God-given potential. If you yeah. will join me in this campaign, she always does. we will make that a mission. Thank you, good night, and may the force be with you. <laughs> nice. Wow. I actually like, I like that. Nice. I like that. the audience here in New Hampshire, here at St. Anselm. And thank you to the audience at home. We wish everyone at home a happy and safe holiday weekend. You know she had to. All of you, the candidates, a happy and safe holiday weekend. to the Star Wars. the Star Wars crowd. Have you guys been to see the new movie yet? Not yet. No. I hope I can go see it next week. <laughs> I liked it very much. I have been too busy. And Matthew Duncan, we'll go to you first. The yeah. Began with an apology <laughs> yeah. From Fallout and fucking stupid Christmas. The stage. And Did I, it change I, I haven't. Uh, no, you, I you, you guys know I haven't been on Facebook. Yeah. Structure structure of this race. She comes I, in. I, I, see, I'll, I'll try to go see it tomorrow, but I know all the stupid little not bubbling kids are going to be off of school tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not bubbling. I'd rather wait till like next week when maybe they're back in school. They've already seen it with their fucking parents, so I can go see it with them. And when that's the case, she walks yeah, out of here with a the, the upcoming holiday has been And I thought with Bernie Sanders, especially on election. national security, you know, we, you know, we in host, the previous debates, uh, it seemed like he didn't even really want to get into it. He was Christmas much Eve more focused on, on that issue. He went after Hillary's true line between her positions on the Iraq war back when she was in the Senate. It's a good time. On Libya when she was Secretary of State. Oh, Lord, it's a lot of fucking work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. All the pagan stuff is fun. I get to go to work and make some big mac and cheese. 
saying it's a false choice to choose I can't between who the two. I saw, fighting I ISIS keeping us clearly with an eye towards the general election. She was clearly, you know, focusing. I mean, she defended her record there, but she also wanted to make the point that she's tough on foreign policy. That made play on that You could ask somebody leaving Christmas did what is most important to them about the Christmas holiday? And the first things you hear are food, friends, family, gift exchange, you know, spending time with the people you care about. Lowest or last, or even if it appears on the list at all, is the birth of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus probably doesn't crack the top five, even for people leaving a church. I know there are atheists out there who say, whoa, you shouldn't be celebrating this holiday. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom Floyd. I am a big proponent of celebrating holidays. Holidays. Yeah, well, I mean, well, and, and why why is it that we cannot reclaim this holiday for, or not even necessarily even reclaim it, but redefine it as a secular holiday specifically? Well, and they do. They do anyway. Like, I don't care if someone else celebrates Christmas as a birth of Jesus Christ. I don't. No, I, yeah. I never have. So, I, either have I. I've never once in my even life celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. Never yeah. in my life. Even even growing up as a as a believing Mormon when I was little, and my parents who were LDS, there was no mention really of. I didn't even realize that as a kid. Well, and Matt Dillahunty is big on Christmas. He, he and Beth love Christmas. Yeah, but there's another thing too. It's like, but when she was asked, isn't it? Love you, and she said. Christian to invite people in by any means necessary. I mean, they'll knock on doors. Yeah. But yet, oh, you can't, you can't feel the spirit by enjoying our holiday. Fuck you. What? What are you doing? They leave leaflets in Spanish in my door every day. I know. I, one of the comments, one of the comments on the thread I had about the Pleasant Grove mayor making those those comments was that yeah. you know someone posted immediately, you know, oh. Well, I bet you atheists find a way to accept Christmas ABC bonuses News, and take Christmas vacations. And I have never gotten like, a Christmas ah, bonus dude, nor a Christmas you know, vacation. <laughs> really? You've never had a bonus? Oh well, you didn't we don't. Know, I work. Yeah. We don't do bonuses in the fire department. Like yeah, that. but but the whole point the whole point of that is you know what you say back is I bet you do too and you're not a pagan. Yeah. You know, like who fuck? It doesn't matter. Why do you, you have know? that tree I mean, in your house? Exactly. Yeah. Bible Jer- says do Jeremiah not do that. 10, three. Yeah. Well, and if and if, if you Read feel Bible, like Christmas bitches. is, you know, if you feel that the most <laughs> important part of Christmas is celebrating Jesus's birthday, then don't buy do presents. away with all of your gifts. Yeah. Don't, yeah, do don't buy presents. Get rid of all that don't stuff. Do dinner. No lights. No stockings. Get rid of all of the secular parts of the yeah. holiday and simply celebrate Jesus's birthday. Unless you think that the, the baby Jesus had a fucking Christmas tree in his manger. With Zycan. He I, I say we. Around. He wasn't. It's not even. No, I know. I know. I know. We need to go back to the heathenistic celebration of Saturnalia, where it's nothing but debauchery and drinking for a week. That's what it was. Yeah. That's what we need to go back to. It's, it's a celebration of sex, the, drugs, and rock and roll. The fact that the shortest day of the year is now over with. Yeah. yeah. For crop growing. That's what it, it has nothing to do with the Jeebus. No. You know, or any of any of that other. Yeah. The Christians co-opted it. Why can't the secularists? Right. Co-opt it now again yeah, and redefine it and, be, and have it be whatever the fuck when, we want. Because it's a war. Because it's just ironic that Jesus 
What's the was born on a, a, a solstice and dies on a solstice. <laughs> I have a holiday tree adorned with Cthulhu <laughs> and the flying spaghetti monster and oh, Vader and Yoda. And Baphomet. and Baphomet. Baphomet is my Christmas tree topper this it's year. Awesome. Got the Firefly ship. It's it's pretty cool. I like the Baphomet. <laughs> but but you know, it's also funny that Christians fought so hard to to maintain their traditions throughout the Roman Empire. Yeah. You know, early on. They were they they actually at that point they actually were persecuted. And Christmas was outlawed in the United States. Yeah, until the early the 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, t- until until almost 100 years ago. Yeah, because they were following the Bible. Yeah. But it, but it's interesting that they fought so hard to maintain their traditions and then have absolutely, completely abandoned all of that in favor of the traditions of the ones they were fighting. Of the ones that, and now they're fighting the people who want to just simply share the traditions with them. They're At all, no cost. They're now, all fucked. And now that's considered a war on Christians on, on Christmas. And it's like, yeah. dude, we're not feeding you to lions. <laughs> you know, we could do that if you want. <laughs> but you know, why don't why don't you take a rule? Uh, uh, why don't you take a? Or we could tell you that you can't celebrate your holiday, but nobody's fucking doing that. Yeah. Ready to winter. Well, yeah, that too. Now for January 4th, yeah. please be all willing to visit I like the holiday. I don't. I don't, but that's me. I didn't when I was religious either. So. I've only been off for the holidays twice in the last 14 years. So I'm used to just working every single holiday. I don't really celebrate any of them anymore. Well, you'll be working again this holiday, but you're off... Next year. Next year. I looked at the schedule. I think I, I didn't ABC check Christmas. News I checked the Fourth of July. I checked New Year's. Yeah. I'm off next New Year's and next Fourth of July. I'll continue. And I'm probably off Christmas. And I want to uh, issue a one of the most next on ABC Four Utah News. Apology for our listeners who may have been looking forward to me tearing apart that article that I had posted out on the Godless Revolution page. Next on ABC Said that I was going to tear that apart in the next episode. And I kind of forgot that you were going to be covering the debate. So. Are we doing that next fight? You can do that next week. That article was such a fucking bullshit. There was so much in that that was just like pandering to the Mormon church. Well, don't give me a chance to look at it. It, it was being it was being a ridiculous apologist who apparently has no fucking idea what her church actually teaches as yeah. part of its doctrine. No, it was was somebody who's completely ignorant of the actual teachings of the church being an apologist for the church when they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Isn't isn't all of that encompassed in the word apologist? (laughs) (laughs) Every apologist I've heard says shit that has nothing to do with what the beliefs actually are. It was was ridiculous. I I look forward to tearing it easier. Again, shall I play the part of the, the Mormon? Paid for by Numbers USA. I'll apologize. You'll never believe where I get the perfect. <laughs> I'll apologize you. all over this place. It's Burlington. Uh, again, uh, please be sure to go out and visit the. I got this designer sweater for under Generosity page for Sarah Morehead. Yes, um, she's just. 
she's she's phenomenal. I I love her to pieces. Can uh, make she feels terrible about what her family is having to go through. Plus yeah, cough, liquid and gels, rush, wish liquid fast nothing to your tough for cold symptoms. Fast, whatever liquid gels from I can do personally, plus. and we can do as a show. I, Nobody's I'm, hurt. I'm fully behind and, be and hope that our listeners it are comes as well. When your insurance yep. company says uh, as always, what it takes to you can reach it. us at godlessrebellion at gmail.com. Can Twitter now, our twatter at TGR Podcast. You can reach us, leave a voicemail, or send us a text at 33081Rebel. And you can find this on the Facebook at facebook.com slash godless revolution. Thank you very much for tuning in. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye bye.